broadcasting from the White Gold Tower, from the Somerset Isles to Skyrim, from High Rock to Morrowind, this is the Alliance, the ESO Alliance, an alliance of podcasters and fan sites for the Elder Scrolls and Elder Scrolls Online. These are the people that you go to for the latest and most accurate information about the Elder Scrolls. That game you're playing, or the news on Elder Scrolls Online, we're right here on one show, once a month, allied. I am Avarwin from the Quest Gaming Network's Elder Scrolls Off the Record, and I will be your humble lead host this evening. And I am joined by an unbelievable panel of the industry's finest and greatest, those whom the scrolls speak of. I'm cheesing it up, I know, I gotta do it today. <laughs> and uh, I am joined by the one and only Andrew from Tamriel Foundry. Thanks, Avarwin, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you again. Um, and Kyle from the Shoddy Cast. What up? Glad to be here, man. Our illustrious guest this evening is Rode from TisoCast, Twonkhammer's TisoCast. I don't know about illustrious, but I'll take guest. <laughs> <laughs> and and today's emperor, developer emperor, is Nick Conkle, lead gameplay designer for Elder Scrolls Online. Hi guys. Um, I don't I don't have a funny to be. <laughs> <laughs> the fangirl screams start up for Nick. Yay, Nick Conkle is here. Welcome, Nick. Great, great to have you. Uh, for for those of you out there who who were aware, uh, this has been it's been kind of quiet this this last month, and we do apologize. We we like to do this show every single month. Um, however, November was was not the month, and uh, we decided to hold off until this week. The uh, character progression video for Elder Scrolls Online came out, starring starring this this man right over here, uh, Nick Conkle. Um, and we're, we're gonna, uh, play that video for you. We're gonna get into, uh, some of the information. Uh, however, first I should inform you that, uh, today is Freydas, Evening Star the 6th, and our discussion topics for this evening will be ESO's character progression video, Tamriel Foundry's character progression video dissection. Watch out for this one, guys. Andrew is going to dive directly into this video, and, uh, we're gonna start taking a look at, at some very interesting points. And Paul Sage, the creative director of Elder Scrolls Online, had an interview this week uh, speaking about Adventure Zones. We're going to touch on that just a little bit. We're also going to cover some common misconceptions where we locate and debunk some of the Internet's biggest misconceptions about the Elder Scrolls Online. Some of the things that we are going to be bringing up is misconception number one, you have multiple morphs per skill. Number two, the map's too small. And number three, the end game is only PvP. And then, of course, we've got questions and fan questions as well to Nick Conkle. This entire episode is going to be a little bit different, folks, um, because we're going to be presenting information and then asking Nick at the same time in kind of like a quasi-interview interview manner. So, uh, so Nick, uh, we, we, uh, hope you forgive us by the end of the episode. <laughs> it, I'm looking forward to it. It might be a little intense. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, if anyone uh, has anything they'd like to just sort of throw in there real quick, um, you know, maybe starting with, uh, with Andrew before we, uh, start showing the video. 
Uh, I don't have much to add, just for any of you in chat that have not yet discovered Tamriel Foundry. I'd you know, love to encourage you to check it out. I think it's a, turning into a great place to discuss the game, and our forums are have been picking up steam. They're super lively, and, and I mean, I think that's an indication of how many people are, are just really getting psyched for ESO. And so uh, if you haven't checked the site out yet, come join us, um, and I hope you, uh, hope you enjoy your stay. What about what about you, Kyle? You have anything that you'd like to add before we get into the video? Sure, shameless plug time. Yeah, shameless plug time. Uh, first, I just want to thank Mister the Conk for uh, showing up. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. And uh, yeah, if you would like to learn a little bit more of the back history of Elder Scrolls and you want to learn some of the lore, just head over to our channel uh, over at Shoddycast, and you can watch our nifty Elder Scrolls lore series. And what about you, Road? Anything you want to add? Uh, I mean, really all I've got is if you'd like to catch up on any of our past episodes of TeaserCast, you can find us at TwanCamera.com. Uh, we didn't do a show last week or this week, but we will be back next week, so tune in. We'll have a lot to talk about. Okie doke. And uh, Nick, what about you? Anything that you want to add before we jump into the video? Well, we devs read all of your guys' forums, specifically uh, <laughs> specifically your forum, but uh, you know, uh, lots of others too, so by all means, even though we can't always interact uh, we're super interested to see what you guys have to say and, you know, how you feel about your experiences and, and what you've heard about so far. So, uh, you know, even though we can't have a conversation with you just yet, that's the that's the best we've got for now. Okay. Um, so we're going to get, uh, we're going to jump right into it. Pardon me as I uh, move my, my uh, window over here. And uh, please pay attention because we're going to uh, talk very heavily about this video right here. This is the ESO character progression video. My name is Nick Conkle, and I'm lead gameplay designer for the Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls games have always had very open-ended progression systems, and this one's no different. There's a huge number of choices, and you can choose to focus on one, or spread yourself amongst all of them. And of course, if you spend enough time, you can eventually master them all. So let's start with the very basics. As you play the game, killing monsters, doing quests, or exploring the world, you're going to gain experience points that's going to allow your character to level up. It isn't just leveling up that gives you skill points. You can also get them by finding special shards in the world called Sky Shards, or by doing special quests along the main path. When you do level up, you get a point to spend in an attribute and a point to spend in a skill. Attribute points increase the three basic resource pools in the game, health, magicka, and stamina. Health is drained when you take damage in combat, magicka when you cast spells, and stamina when you sprint or use weapon abilities. Attributes are how you define your character in broad terms. Do I want to be really survivable? Do I want to be a mage caster person? Or do I want to be a physical in-your-face type attacker? Skill points, on the other hand, allow you to define your character in a specific way. So you can spend a point to learn an ability or a spell, and abilities or spells belong to a skill line, which is a thematic connection of abilities. The more you use abilities from a specific skill line, like, say, Stone Fist from the Earth Magic skill, the more you'll have access to the abilities later in the line, like Petrify or Magma Armor. After you gained enough experience with an ability, you get the opportunity to morph it to further customize your experience with it. So, for example, the Templar ability Rush Ceremony, which heals a nearby ally, can be morphed so that it heals three nearby allies, or so that it restores Magicka to you when you cast it. After you've advanced far enough in a skill line, you gain access to ultimate abilities, which are some of the most powerful abilities in the game. Things like Dragon Leap on the Dragon Knight, 
or Overload on the Sorcerer, or Nova on the Templar. Ultimate abilities work a little differently from the rest of the abilities in the game. They don't consume magic or stamina. Instead, you have to build up for the opportunity to use them, and then when you do, you can have a devastating effect on the battlefield. So we've been talking a lot about spells that you can use in combat, which we call active abilities. But you can also spend your skill points on passive abilities. And those have a more subtle effect that's permanent on your character. So it can be things like increase the damage you cause with fire spells, or something like where your lightning magic will have a chance to cause the target to disintegrate instantly and turn into a pile of ash. There are two decisions you make at character creation that will affect the skill lines you have as you progress your character further. Your race, which gives you a set of abilities that helps define the identity of that choice, and your class, which actually gives you three unique skill lines that follow a general theme without actually forcing you into a specific role. Your class and race skills only represent a fraction of what's possible to get in the game, though. There's a whole set of general skills that are available to anyone who plays the game. A good example of this is the weapon and armor skills, which every character starts the game with, and anyone can take the time to learn and master. So no matter what class or race I picked, if I pick up a sword and shield, I can start getting stronger with that weapon. Or, alternatively, if I want to wear light armor and use a staff, I can become a good mage. You can also find entirely new skill lines for your character by playing the game and exploring the world. This ranges from relatively easy things to do, like join the Mages Guild or join the Fighters Guild, or by finding out in the world the opportunity to become a werewolf or a vampire. Getting one of these new skill lines gives you the opportunity to get special abilities that wouldn't be available to your character otherwise. We've really only scratched the surface of all the different combinations of builds and abilities the player's have been making using this progression system, and that's what you'd expect at a Metal Scrolls game. It's all about player choice. You can build the character the way you want to, and we can't wait to see what you guys come up with. So, hey, so there it yeah. is. Pumped. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, I, I mean, uh, that's that's certainly a, a nice looking office you have there. Uh, very apropos for uh, for Elder Scrolls Online, the, the lighting, the mood, and all that. Very nice. Uh, yeah, now we do it right over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Nick, what what exactly was the the uh the catalyst for for bringing this this information out um what what are what are some things that you can say about about the video as far as like you know why Zenimax wanted to put this out now as opposed to any other time from now and then why that information and not any other kind of information well i think you know we're just really excited to tell people about progression system because it's it's really i think one of the absolute cores of the game and something that um is really uh, iconic in the Elder Scrolls franchise, right? How do you develop the kind of character that you want to? And it's something people have a lot of questions about um, and concerns about, uh, certainly when they first hear about the, the idea of an Elder Scrolls online game. So, you know, we figured we'd get that information out there to really ensure to people, or to, to you know, um, let them know that 
the, the game they imagine, the one where you can make any character you want and then pivot halfway through and make a completely different character and then pivot back or to something entirely new. Uh, all that's all possible in this game. And, and now, is, now is a great time because uh, sure. the, the time is nigh and, and we're excited all about it. Is there, uh, after watching the video, is there anything that you sort of want to elaborate on that, that you feel like maybe maybe the information wasn't enough or... It, maybe it didn't come out in the way that you wanted it to come out, or, or Zenimax wanted it to come out. Is there anything that you would like to elaborate at all on right now? Oh, I'd love to. Elab- I mean, so many things, right? I want. I want to break. I want to talk about every morph choice, and we should. We should talk about the mechanics, <laughs> right? What's What's the options of both of them? Um, we're seeing some, you know, and, and we have some. We have a lot of metrics to to look at these, uh, as well as you know, from reading feedback from our from our beta testers, we're seeing some really creative builds going out there. Um, and man, like it is not uncommon at all for uh, an hour of work to just stop for us to have conversations about all the builds that everyone's trying, or they heard someone someone made work or something like that, right? It's just such a flexible, elaborate system um, that it's something you can really talk about, right? You can have conversations, and um, oddly enough, I think we were doing some math about it today. Um, about the number of possible combinations of builds that any one character could have, independent of of, of whether you uh, you know what specific class you pick, that it's um, you have to you have to express the number in or in a in scientific notation, right? It's like wow. 274 heptillion or something like that. So Holy you know, it's, it's just really wide open, and, and there's so many possible options. So um, I want to I guess I want to start off with with Road um, over here from from Tisocast. You know, Rode, is there is there anything right now that regarding this video now that that we have Nick here that maybe you want to ask him about? I'm mute. Oh, uh, you're muted, Rode. Yeah, yeah, you're muted. You have to... <laughs> There's a mute button. <laughs> Those things are awesome. I knew it would happen turn. eventually. I turn. Now we're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, I had my shot. But no, really. Um, I, there is one thing I, I kind of wanted to point out. First off, I. Uh, with the Avarwin last night on uh, Elder Scrolls Off the Record, I kind of gushed a little bit about the Nova spell that was cast in there and how amazing that was. And then after the show, I actually got to thinking, we know we can morph the abilities in the game, but does that also include Nova or the Ultimates in general? Can we also morph the Ultimates? Yeah, absolutely. The ultimates get more Ultimate? Yeah, every every ability in the game. If you can, If you can cast it... It'll it'll get stronger as you. The more you use it, the stronger it'll get, and then you can morph it, and then the more you use that, the stronger it'll get. One hundred percent of them. Well, that's some uh, that's some new off information. The top of my head, uh, one is Solar Prison, where it puts um, sort of a, a wall around the edge of it, and if anyone tries to run through it, they get stunned. And which is fun because um, uh, sorcerers can both escape out of it without without taking that effect. So you sometimes uh-huh. see there's some fun interplay there. Um, and I forget the other one. There's so many, uh, but oh, anyway, awesome. yes, there's absolutely some morphs on Nova, and then also um, Nova has a synergy, um, fittingly called Supernova, so another <laughs> player can um, run in and make that thing explode, and it knocks everyone in the area down and does us a ton of damage. So, you know, if you can yes. use that at the right time in combination with another player, it's just it, like it'll savage a battlefield. It's pretty cool. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. What about what about you, Kyle? Is there is there anything uh, after watching the video that you want to sort of ask uh, Nick about right now? Uh, yeah. Well, first I just want to say it's such a beautiful game. I mean, you see just the effects and everything. Like even just the I guess it's not something you don't see all the time or whatever. But just like 
the shimmering of the flames when you see the vampires, just uh, all the spell effects, even stuff in the background, the environments. Like, I don't know, a lot of people might not have noticed this, but in one of the scenes, you see way in the background, there's actually the mountain carved out into, like, people fighting or wrestling or something. The actual mountain is carved out. It's amazing. Yeah, the Brothers of Strife is, I think, what you're talking about. It's crazy. <laughs> but you yeah. mentioned, I just wanted to ask you, like, one question. I don't know if you can say this or not, but... uh. You mentioned how, like, yeah, you can make the character you want, but then you can, like, pivot and do a completely different character or change the play style. Does that mean that we will definitively be able to retrain skills? Like, at least, maybe not retrain the, the attribute points, but refund our skill points? Well, um, for starters, I just want to be clear. When I say that, I don't mean, um, you know, like, independent of respecting, you can pivot and change your character. You can... Right. Because there's enough stuff out there, you can just keep developing, get stronger. Uh, and if you've been using a sword and shield for 20 levels and your skill value in it is 37, and you pick up a bow and your skill value in bow is 1, you start using it, and it'll get to 37 too. And then you can start learning all those abilities and get really strong with that. So independent of that, you can develop your character. And that continues even if you've reached max level. And so there's there's really no end to it. Um but that said, yes, uh, we did put in the, the option for you to spend gold to respect, to respect your points in skills or in attributes. Um, you know, basically to help people out through some of those early levels where maybe they decide they want to, uh, you know, uh, I guess, re-choose re some of their early options. And, and, you know, the cost goes up the longer, you know, the longer you've played the game um, to make it so it's, it's still, there's still some commitment there, right? Um, you know, the, the core of the progression is, Keep playing, and there's always more to discover, and there's always more. You can always, you know, expand yourself horizontally as well as getting stronger at the thing you originally picked at. Cool. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I think before we dig into the video itself, I think this is a good chance to bring up sort of a more meta philosophical question about the approach to that you guys have taken with, with ESO in general. Um, just in terms of the advancement system that you guys have designed, and I know there's been a number of iterations and stuff with it, but you ultimately did settle on a, a class-based system, and that has some advantages that it gives the game, but you look at things that different MMOs have done in the past, like, for example, you know, Dayok had, like, 30-something 30, 30 classes, EverQuest had a, a ton of classes, and then you've got the Elder Scrolls games, which, you know, are have been, in the past, traditionally skill-line-centric, but there's sort of thematic classes in in those games, and there's a lot of them. Um, you know, how was it that that sort of iterated down to like having four base classes, where each class sort of brings something unique to the table? And what kind of advantages did that decision afford you guys in terms of designing uh, the ability system that you wouldn't have had if you'd only done skill lines or if you'd only done classes? Uh, all right, a metaphilosophical question. These are <laughs> my favorite. Let me, let me roll my sleeves up on this one. Uh, you know, and I think that's that's actually you know a good question because it gets to the core of well, you know what the progression system is. Um, the, as, as far as the advantages of having some uniqueness uh, in terms of your class choice that is that is built in uh, and permanent, um, I think it has a lot to do with social with social aspects of the game. Right, that's why that's so strong is because people being able to complement each other um, and fill in fill in weaknesses with each other is one of the core. Um, you know, interesting things about playing in online games, right? Okay, well, I have these strengths, and you have these ones, and we're gonna we're gonna deal with that fact. Or, you know, I have this set of abilities that I can cope with crises, and you can cope with a different set of crises. But if we stand together, this is amazing. Um, and you know, and, and that's something that is is really cool in social games, and, and something we didn't want to lose. 
But of course, um, you know, there's also that desire to have it be, well, I can still build the character I want, right? I can, you know, have started with the idea that I'm going to play a heavy armor tank and switch to a mage, and there's no penalty for doing so. Um, and, and we wanted both of those things to be true. Um, you know, like, we wanted, we wanted the cake and we wanted to eat the cake. And so that was, a, that was I guess, why we went that way. Right? We wanted both of those advantages, and so we wanted to create a system that gave, gave both of us to them. Well, well said, Andrew. Anything else? Uh, I mean, loads, but uh, I mean, sure. There's we got we got a whole episode to to dig into it. So. We we definitely do. Um, yeah. Okay, so so I guess I I've got some bullet points here on basically the the flow of of the video. Um, so we'll we'll start doing we'll start getting into this in case maybe there was some information that yeah maybe it was the first time you saw the video or heard the video. We want to recap the info for you. And, uh, you know, Nick, if there's anything that you want me to stop on and elaborate on, that's, you know, obviously more than fine. Just go ahead and, uh, and interrupt. And that, obviously it goes for, for the rest of these guys, too. So um, you basically started off mentioning that Elder Scrolls games have an open-ended progression system. Uh, I want to say as far as Elder Scrolls fans are concerned, that's exactly what Elder Scrolls fans want to hear. They want to hear something as soon as the video starts up and you say something like that, bam, now you got us. Because we don't want World of Warcraft mucking up our ESO. We want Skyrim mucking up our ESO and Oblivion mucking up our ESO. You know what I mean? So that was definitely the right thing to lead off on. Um, you also described... It's also the core philosophy. So, I mean, we wouldn't... We'll, we lead with that because it was our design philosophy. But absolutely, uh, you know, I think I, we're fans too, so... Uh, you also described gaming XP to uh, that you'll need... Excuse me. You'll need XP in order to uh, to level up, and then you'll acquire skill points. You'll also acquire. Sk- excuse me. I'm saying this incorrectly because uh, I wrote it incorrectly, <laughs> <laughs> and it flubbed me up last night too. So basically, what I'm saying is is that you you start you're in the video and you basically describe the many different ways that you can gain XP uh, through through killing in quests. Okay. Killing, killing mobs and doing quests, um, acquiring sk- uh, sky shards. Okay. All of these things will, will garner you experience, garner you skill points really. So you, you do quests, you complete those quests, you, uh, explore and, and find things through exploration. You gain experience, you gain enough experience, you level up. Once you level up, you get a skill point, but it's not just a skill point that you get. You get one for your attributes, and then you get one for the skills. Um, and you, you basically describe all of this in the beginning of the video. You can spend one point into one of your three attributes, which Elder Scrolls fans are very familiar with, health, magicka, and then stamina. Once you spend that point, then things really start to get fun, and you have a, uh, one point that you can spend into your skill points. Uh, so once you once you do that, all right, then you get to unlock an ability or a spell, which is part of a skill line. And now this is where things get really interesting re- regarding uh, how you level your character up, because you have many, many, many different skill lines. All right, you have three at launch. I'm okay. I'm sure this will expand, um, but right now at at launch you have three for your class. When you choose your class, you'll have three skill lines. You can put points into. You can also choose to put a point into one of the six different types of weapons in the game. 
You can put a point into one of the three different armor types in the, in the game as well. Now, at launch, you're going to have the Mages and Fighters Guild. You can put a point in those skill lines. They're individual. You have a Mage skill line and a Fighters, fighters Guild skill line. Um, and then you have a skill line for race and all of the different skill lines for, for trade skills. All right. Now, Nick, is there anything about this that you, you sort of want to go into? Um, I know this is what we're going to have at launch. Well, you left out a few. There's um, <laughs> <laughs> there's the uh, the alliance skills, um, which you get from participating in the, the PvP. There's werewolf and vampire. Yes. There's joining the mages and fighters guild. There's the undaunted. Um, and I swear there's more, but whatever. There's there's quite a few uh, there's quite a few skills out there uh, that are uh, that are out there in the world in addition to what you start your character with. Um, and, and part of the game, you know, part of the fun of exploring the game is, holy crap, you know, I used to, you no, know, I was used to this sort of pattern of just making myself stronger, but then, wow, there's a whole new skill line, now I have to go advance this, or, you know, find, you know, I want the ability at the end of it, so, uh, you know, time, time to start working on that. All right. Um, guys, anything that you want to add on this at this particular point? All right, I'll, I'll go forward. Um, so, you have all these different types of skill lines that you can put a point into the more now, once you put a point into a skill line, you're essentially unlocking a skill, whether it's an active skill or a passive skill, the active skills you can put into your hot bar. If they're on in your hot bar, they, they level up as you use them, which then you'll eventually be able to, uh, morph these skills. And you used the example of rushed ceremony, which is, which is basically a skill that you can, you can use to heal a nearby ally. Once you've used that skill enough as it's on your hot bar and it levels up, you can morph it into a skill that can heal three nearby allies or a skill that once used will begin to regen magicka after it was used. Uh, then you go on to describe that after advancing far enough in a skill line, you unlock the ultimate abilities, uh, which do not require a resource like magic or stamina to use, but rather you build up power as you fight, and then you're able to use the ult ultimate ability. And there was the example of Dragon Leap, Overload, and Nova. Do you, do you think uh, that... Nick, do you think that there's going to be more ultimate abilities that are going to come out after launch? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, ultimates are a part of certain skill lines, and um, and you know, as as we expand the the set of possible skills out there, then you can you can you can bet you'll see new ultimates and stuff. Um, quite a number of them. Do you think it's going to require a, a tremendous expansion that you usually get in MMOs once every you know year and a half to two years in order for something like that, or do you think that that sort of thing might be might be part of like you know just a really large uh, content update or, or patch? Can you speak on that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, adding new skill lines is exactly the sort of thing that we feel is appropriate for. Um, an update that we do in one of our patches, uh, completely independent of, of an expansion. Yeah, you can you can expect that to come in as part of thematic grouping. So, you know, when we when we have something with uh, potentially uh, the the, uh, the thief skill or a justice system, you might see a skill line associated with that, or or uh, whatever else we expand moving forward. 
don't want to give away too many details, but uh, you can expect to see skill lines coming out with uh, with each content patch as we move forward. Great. Um, all right. Gentlemen, anything else you want to add in on? Maybe Andrew? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on, on all this stuff, but I don't know. Do you want me to start interjecting them now or, or save it for when we start breaking some of this stuff down in a little bit more detail? Yeah, you know what? I'll, I've only got a couple more points, so I'll, let's, I'll run let's through Let's get them. through the summary of the yeah. video, and then we can... Uh, sure. Uh, so then, after after this was described, okay, race and class effects, uh, what skill lines that you have access to. So once you pick your race and your class, that's going to affect at some degree what kind of, what kind of uh, skill lines you have access to. This doesn't include the weapons, the armor, any of that stuff. Uh, general skills like weapons and armor are open to everyone, no matter what your race or your class combination that you've picked. And this was something that was also described inside the video. And then uh, new skill lines can be found by exploring, such as the Mage's Guild, the Fighter's Guild, the uh, Werewolf, Vampire uh, skill lines as well. And then the video ended off by emphasizing that uh, you basically want players to, to play they, they want to. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right here on this note for just one second, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring uh, good old Road here from from Tisocast on, uh-oh, because <laughs> uh, he's he's got this crazy build called the Naked Nord. It's not a build; it's a way of life. <laughs> uh, so should I uh, go ahead and just shove my question in here? Please or? go. I mean, okay. I mean, go go right on ahead. Uh, and All I, right. I, I want to see. I wanna see uh, I'm going to go ahead and explain the Naked Nord first off. This is a concept I first developed while playing Skyrim, and it was just a, a very whimsical thing that I decided to do. And I've played up to, I think, level 56 now as the Naked Nord. He is a, uh, well, a Nord, obviously, uses a two-handed sword, wears a pair of boots, and otherwise, nothing. That's it. And so far, it's worked out pretty well. I've died a lot, but it worked out. Strange. But anyway, uh, I've been actually wondering about this because I haven't seen anything in regards to this yet. But first, I was told by a friend of mine to ask if uh, we could ever see something like unarmed combat because he loved doing that when he played Oblivion. And that's pretty much why he hated Skyrim. And with that in mind could we ever see something like an unarmored skill line? Because sure, armor's nice and all, but really, let's fight like men. Let's just get down to the bear of it. <laughs> you asked. Well, um, I think okay, I think well. one of the big things here is that also, uh, Nick, you, there was, there was a, a note out there this week at some point uh, on some article that said if you, if you don't want to put a point into one of your class skill lines. That's absolutely an option that you can explore. And we're sort of, and the reason why I'm bringing this, I'm bringing this up is because, you know, um, road has a fantastic, uh, build for, for this kind or a fantastic concept for a build that could be considered a classless build. And I'm sort of wondering, you know, what's the, how viable would something like that be? Well, I can honestly say that, no one has ever suggested an unarmored skill line yet. That was the first one. I, that's the first time I've heard that. Um, unarmed, I hear. Uh, and it's something we've talked about a, a, you know, a bunch. But unarmored is new. Um, uh, this is my first official internet first right there. Yeah, and, and nice. From my World first road. Achievement. Um, I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the short answer to that is, uh, you know, obviously... 
there's there's a there's a whole lot of interaction we have with fans, and, and we're going to respond to sort of what we feel is the most um, uh, I don't know uh, uh, interesting and sort of demanded options that we have going forward. So I'd say start a campaign, start a campaign for the unarmed uh, still. I mean, no. I would love to make it. I, I think you should. I think you should go ahead with it. You should go ahead with your unarmored character. I think you should also go ahead with joining the same PvP campaign as me on a different map. <laughs> And that would just be that'd be so great. So I would hate to have I'll to embarrass you, you that you badly your, by beating yeah. you unarmored. I'll help you test your build. Uh, yeah, that's that said, um, it absolutely is the case that um, uh, unarmed, you know, like you can you can still fight in unarmed combat. You have light and heavy attacks and animations for all those things, right? It's a, it's something you can do even if it's not necessarily as good as hitting someone with a sword um, or whatever else you want to do. But, you know, if you went out there and found a bunch of skills that didn't require a weapon and were generally generic and useful, I, I don't know, give it a shot. It might work. You know, there's there's plenty there's plenty of things out there that aren't specific to using weapons or armor. And with the with the crazy right combination of them, maybe you can play really dodgy and, and you know, have some and have some sort of miracle success and then now you know that would be pretty embarrassing for for anyone you managed to, <laughs> to slaughter in PvP. Challenge accepted. Yeah, I'm in. So so uh, so road. The answer from from the conk is give it a try. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be dangerous. Uh, that's, that's basically the, uh, the roundup for the video, such as it is. Um, so, so what I'm going to do now is, uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Andrew the floor. Uh, sir, you know, you go right on ahead, uh, start dissecting. The scalpel is in your hands. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pull up the video. You have certain timestamps, right? That you want to hit on? Oh yeah, sure. I'll, I'll call them out to you and maybe you can, uh, pull up a couple still images. Absolutely. Um, you know, and and this is something that we could we could do for the next several hours. But I'm just going to highlight some of the key things that I thought were really interesting from uh, this new video. And the first thing that jumped out not only to me but to a lot of people on TF, to a lot of people in my guild, um, we noticed some of the the really impressive interface changes. Um, and the last time we'd seen, um, I guess, the last time that everyone had seen the in-game interface was your. Uh, your dungeon playthrough at QuakeCon when you guys were doing, uh, I think, Fungal Grotto, maybe. Um, and so, you know, we've seen a lot of evolution since then of the way that the, the character sheet has evolved, the way the skill tooltips have evolved. Um, you know, is that just sort of part of a, a standard ongoing process, or did you guys have, you know, at, at some point feel like you needed to get more information in there, or uh, I guess... Just give us the details on, on some of the big interface changes that we're seeing with the newer builds of ESO. Uh, sure. Yeah, we have a we have a great UI team. I'm I'm actually pretty <laughs> I'm pretty impressed with them because uh, as as you know, especially in uh, in the last few months and um, and and as we come up into the project, they they're kind of at the end of the chain, right? UI is is one of those things where you know, after you've gone through all the design and all the iteration and, and you want to put in, you know, really black box stuff while you're just getting the concepts worked out. And then, like, okay, cool, we've got all the mechanics in and it's time to make it all look amazing. And only when you're really all the way sure do you want to put in all the time to make, to make it look really good and polished and, and so on. And those guys have just been putting in, oh, so many hours and they're working their butts off. But, uh, and, you know, I think it really shows in, in you know, how you, when you see those interface elements with that have the final polish, I mean, a good percentage of the stuff you you would have seen in the in the QuakeCon video is uh, was mm -hmm. was black box or several steps beyond black box, but still not the final UI. Um, 
And you know, the, I think the core philosophy of the UI, which is we want it to be minimalist and we want it to be immersive, that is held true all throughout. But there's ways in which you can you know, re- maintain that and still have it be pretty and informational and or, or, sorry, informative and, um, and, and also make it really you know, sort of interesting to interact with. Um, so it's, it's also its own experience. And I think that's a lot of what's really developed. My favorite example of that is actually, and this is kind of a subtle touch, but um, now when you go through your, when you like look at your map as a character or go through inventory, all the characters around you see you rooting through your bag or looking at a map or like if you're looking at your skills, you have like, you know, notes and stuff like that or you're looking at a book. And so it creates this really interesting um, interaction where people see you interacting with your UI and they kind of know what you're doing. Like, and my favorite is when someone like, this, this is the best moment that's ever occurred, basically, um, you know, since, since this feature got put in. Uh, I was running down a road, and uh, there was sort of a crossroad in there, and someone was obviously you know, trying to figure out where he wanted to go to pursue the next uh, quest that he was going after, and he had his map out. And so I stumble across this guy, kind of looking at his map like this, right? You know, like, and I just walk up to him, and I'm like, <laughs> you lost? You know, like, and, it, and it's sort of such a, it's such a, a moment, whereas... You know, if without that feature, you would just see a guy standing there and maybe he's AFK and getting a sandwich or, you know, what, whatever it is. But with that, you're like, I know exactly what's going on. Maybe I can offer him some help or maybe I can just have a funny moment. Um, and so those are the sort of polished details that I think keep the keep the world really immersive and also make it social and interactive and the kind of thing you can do really, really at the end of the project to, to, to give it that extra level of polish and, and, and fun. Yeah, that's awesome. On the flip side, we'll all be really excited when we stumble across an enemy's avatar looking through his journal in Cyrodiil, it's like, oh, yes. That guy's getting (laughs) Oh, yes, he's in trouble. (laughs) Um, That's good. Um, Awesome. Yeah, so in terms of... um, And and anyone else on the show, feel free to jump in. I'm just kind of hitting some of the things that jumped out at at me when I was was watching the video. The second, you know, big thing that that stood out um, to me was that you know, you've got all the different sections of skill lines, and, and as you mentioned earlier in the show, there's a lot that we haven't even seen in that video that are going to be in. Um, but we specifically saw uh, trade skills as getting its own section of the skill interface. Um, so I guess what's going on with that? What's going on with the crafting system? Is it going to be more sort of the holistic uh, overview, like the same system where crafting, where players are going to make a choice between necessarily advancing a combat skill or advancing a craft skill, or what kind of options will we have there? Yeah, I think what you'll see uh, is, and this is part of, in fact, since um, you know, since QuakeCon and since uh, you know, sort of some of the some of the previous things, we've we've basically revamped the crafting system, and that's something that we're really excited to get feedback on in, in, in subsequent betas because that was a part of the experience that we just didn't feel like was was up to par, um, and so. We were like, well, let's let's make it up to par, and and part of that was making it fit in with the progression system in the way that is traditional for Elder Scrolls games. Um, you know, like these, that's something you're used to seeing. Is I can spend my points in Skyrim on Enchanter, and um, that'll make me good at fighting. It really will because a I can make weapons for myself, but also there's there's you know passive abilities in there that you can get that that improve your experience, right? I'm gonna, my enchantments are going to last longer, they're going to do more damage, and those sorts of things are carried over, right? The, the points are not just 
exclusively things that make me better at crafting. Surely there are those, but there's also things that, you know, like in the alchemy skill line, I can take stuff that will make me, uh, make my potions more effective when I drink them or, you know, sort of reduce, uh, reduce the, you know, the negative effects if I happen to drink a bad potion um, and, and those sorts of things. So, um, you know, the skill, the skill lines themselves are actually um, both oriented and integrated into the combat system and as well as the world exploration system, things that help you spot um, you know, nodes and opportunities to, to craft or, or harvest in the world, uh, as well as actually making things. So, you know, the, I think the whole, the whole revamp there um, was just about making it fit more with the, the open-ended progression system and, and have it be a whole part of the game and a holistic experience, because we didn't feel like it was before. Yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, diverge too much towards crafting, because really we're worried about advancement, but since there is this interrelationship between the two now, are, yeah. are, are, we, are we still in a situation where maybe we have to choose which specific trade we want to dedicate most of our effort towards, or can we open up and, and maybe have the potential to be a generalist master crafter of all trades now? Well, so I can tell you, uh, the short answer is yes, you absolutely can there's no restrictions. You don't have to pick a specific one. But for kicks, um, I decided to, in a, in a long playthrough, see if I could maintain a character and go through every skill and, and maintain every crafting skill at the same time. And man, is it hard. <laughs> it's pretty challenging. I think you'd be better off focusing on one, get all that all the way up, and when you're done with that, maybe move on to the next one. And it's a pretty long investment. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, you have to get a lot of materials. You'd have to, you know, you know, it's it's a it's a fifty level investment and beyond, right? It's a it's a you know, it's a many hour experience to really master crafting profession and to try to do that in a lot of different places really requires a lot of split effort. So there's nothing. Um, hard that restricts you. You don't have to be like, I, I pick one and that's my only option. But in practice, I think you are limited um, by by just the amount of resources available to you. How many skill points do you have? How much time can you spend focusing on one? And you know, and what materials? How many materials can you even hold in your bag? You know, from from different places. So yeah, that's great. I mean, maybe this is a great chance to go around the the panel real quick. Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but. My experience, you know, I played Star Wars Galaxies. It was a game I really enjoyed for a while. I thought that one thing that was really cool about that game was how, um, you know, the the crafters that were just the best crafters on the server, there was so much prestige with that because they had, you know, they had given up something in order to to be that in that position. They had given up, you know, being quite as as good at combat as someone else. And so for me, I think it's kind of cool that that those systems are, are tied together now, but... You know, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, Road, if Arwen, yeah, Kyle, go around and we uh, we haven't heard much from Kyle in a, in a while, and I'm sort yeah, of, Kyle, you, why don't you... yeah, sort of wondering, you know, what what it is that do you have anything on uh, on crafting? Anything excites you? Is there anything about this that that you want to weigh in on? Um, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I think it's a good. I think it's a it's it's a good uh, choice because I know like. Before, I guess it was going to be a completely separate entity from the whole leveling and putting skill points in <clears throat> to just their skills, but to actually have it now with a trade skill actually taking up your skill points that you're working hard for, I think it's it definitely takes that dedication. It's like, oh, do I really want this skill that I've really been wanting to use to you know kick some butt, or do I want to use it to advance this uh, this craft a lot quicker, or you know, like you said, I believe to be able to see nodes on the map and stuff like that. So I, I think it's it's a good change. I, I have a question, actually, for, for Nick on this. Um, I've, I've noticed that in, in my play style, um, I like to uh, level up, play the game, 
dungeon crawl, you know, have, have fun with the adventure. Crafting is like a, is, is such an afterthought for me. Um, do you think, or is the worry or has there ever been like a, a worry raised that a lot of people going from one to 50 are going to look at these skill points and say, this is such a precious, you know, a thing for me that I've just earned. I feel really awesome about it. Oh, gee, you know, I'd really, I'd really want to get into uh, that that other passive ability or that other active ability that I've been reeling eye up, eyeing up. That'll either increase my survivability or my DPS or or whatever that I'm I'm trying to increase. So I'm I'm better at doing that dungeon I was trying to trying to do. Are you worried about them? saying I would rather do that than put it into crafting because it took me so long and so hard to find a way to get this um, or that, you know, it took me a while to get this that I'm really not interested in, in leveling up my crafting. And as a result that we may not have, we'll have a scarcity of crafters from one to 50 and that a lot of people, once they hit 50, will say, all right, now's the time for crafting. Uh well, short answer is no. I'm the, I'm the opposite of worried about that, and I'll tell you why. Because I think you, you were at the core of it. Right? You, you started that by saying, here's how I like to play, right? and, and here's how I want to do it, and here's the things that interest me, and then maybe at the end of all of that, I'll go spend invest some of my points in crafting. And that's, that's Elder Scrolls. That was the set of choices you made, and that was a perfectly valid option in each of the previous Elder Scrolls game, and it remains a perfectly valid option in Elder Scrolls Online, um, because that's that's what it is. Um, the skill points are absolutely a precious resource, you know, to the point where sometimes you know you'll find that third sky shard, and you're like, yes, you know, and I can't wait to get in my inventory and figure out exactly the art, you know my skill <laughs> one and figure out exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, sky shard. A bunch of sources from outside <laughs> of those sky shards too, right? Um, by completing. Uh, steps in the main quest, just the end of that quest is a skill point. You can bet the instant <laughs> you can do, you can move on to the next chapter of the main quest, you want to do that, because that's another skill point for right there, right in between your level, and then you level up on the way, and that's two skill points. And yeah. you find a sky shard, and that's more. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a system where you're getting them pretty rapidly, right? As you're leveling up, you're getting more than just the one per level. But there's so many options. There's so many ways you could play. You could play dungeon-oriented. You could play healer-oriented. You could play crafting-oriented. You know, you could focus on your wrist. You could focus on passives. You could play a bow. There's, and, it's, and the order in which you do it is really, um, really going to do a lot, of, um, a lot of what determines your character, especially initially. But like any Elder Scrolls game, I mean, you just keep playing. Keep playing and playing and playing, and you can, you can master more stuff. You know, nothing, there's no choices that you're going to make that are ever going to stop you from going back and doing them later. And if you leveled from 1 to 50 being a pure crafter, and you're like, ah, now I want to see if I can be really good in dungeons and endgame stuff. And to do that, I feel like I have to invest some points in bow. So hmm. then right. pick up a bow and start investing your points there. So keep getting. basically you're saying that you're not worried about it because you know that there's a lot of people out there that are going to want to naturally get into crafting. That's going to be their choice. They're not necessarily going to say... Hey, you know what? I really don't care about you know this just yet because I really am just as excited, uh, if not more so, about you know um, making that brand new piece of you know Khajiit armor or you know whatever that turns out to be versus being more viable in a, yeah, in, a in a dungeon. I'd say, I mean, there's people who love crafting, and I I love that we've built a progression system that allows them to invest in that in interesting ways. Um, okay. And for people who aren't as interested in that, they don't they don't have to. They can invest in other things. You know, so it's open ended like that. All right, uh, Andrew, back to you. Well, Rode, I mean, did you have any thoughts about the uh, 
the crafting system you want to chime in on before I power yeah, through? Yeah, real quick, um, I haven't really been exactly invested in a crafting system in any of the MMOs I've played since all the way back to Ragnarok Online. That's a while ago, all right? A lot of MMOs. Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> um, and granted, I didn't play WoW, so I didn't have that thing going for me. Never. But, uh, I mean, in that game, the, the commitment to that game was that, ah, oh, crap, I broke this armor, it's gone forever. So, in a sense, putting a skill point into the actual crafting profession is going to, I guess, be that linchpin for me in this game. So it really is going to be something you have to be dedicated to if you're going to do it. And as long as I can brew some absolutely awesome Nord Mead to the point where, you know, maybe I can make grenades of it and just get everyone drunk, and that way my, you know, nakedness will actually be applicable to combat, then fantastic, you know? Working my trade skills into combat. It'll never happen, but hey, there's another off-the-wall suggestion. Or attractive to look at. <laughs> I can that... confirm mead. Mead, a thing that you can make in crafting system. Many types of mead. Absolutely. There is only one type. Of, Nordic mead. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I mean, I think I think it's a, it's a cool it's a cool system, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, even unlike a Skyrim where you're necessarily, you know, you're just concerned about your character. You know, I want my combat skills. I want to be able to make myself a sword. I want to be able to, you know, brew my potions. You know, having that prestige there, where maybe the people who go for crafting early, you know, it's a social game. It get out there and 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 find a crafter. Ask ask around. Meet someone. Um, and, you know, making there be a little bit more resistance to being, you know, everyone's a master of everything for themselves, that, that, that's going to have, I hope, really good effects for the, the ESO economy, but we'll see. I think it's, I think it's a, neat, a neat choice, um, so kudos on that. Um, I guess moving along, one other thing that really popped out from the video is we see that passive abilities that were originally um, just sort of single point purchases. There's now multiple tiers for all the passives. Some of them had like two tiers. Some of them I think there was maybe one or two with three, maybe even more tiers. I don't know. Um, I think that's again we're seeing like more ways to spend skill points. So the preciousness of that as a commodity is like getting more and more important. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, with the main quest there's, you know, an extra way to get skill points, but it seems to me like just the main quest alone, every five levels, maybe isn't enough extra skill points to keep up with all the new ways to spend them. Are there like some more things we can do, or is it really going to be like you have to have a good character plan, or you're going to be coming up short? Uh, no, there's tons of things. Uh, so sky shards are are literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that proceeds right uh, for your entire 150 experience, and then if you proceed into the veteran zones and, and the other alliances then there's Sky Shards there, and you can go collect all of those. And then if you proceed into the third alliance, there's Sky Shards there. So there's a huge number of possible just via exploration, but you also get uh, a skill point for every rank you earn in the Alliance War. So if you go out in PvP, you'll, you'll get skill points that way. Um, and those are, you know, those are sort of some of the main sources, but it's something that um, you know, we, we look at actively is wanting to make sure there's that right tension of ooh, there's lots of things I want, so any one skill point is sort of an interesting decision, but it's not like you're ever overwhelmed by, like, well, God, there's there's so many things, and I'll never, ever get everything I want, right? And like, they're coming in pretty fast as you play, and and so you're taking things, but then new stuff's getting unlocked, and so now I want to, now I have to make new decisions, right? And there's a nice pace to it. 
um, where, where you can sort of try to master something and feel like you can, but then new stuff is happening and maybe I want to spend points there and then I'll start to go that way. Um, you know, and I think that's all part of what, what makes the system interesting. And, uh, there are so many points out there available that I don't, I don't believe it's the case uh, at all that you need to map out your build and do it perfectly. Um, and, and of course, um, you know, if there were any concerns about that, and you feel like you're, you started your build in such a way that you just weren't happy with. We did put in the respect system as that as sort of that last fail-safe scenario of like, well, you know, you could go get more stuff, but if you want it now, then you can. I have a question. Uh, will we gain skill points also by completing, like, dungeons, you know, the instance kind, or is that just kind of saved for the whole veteran endgame system? Um. I, I want to say, <laughs> you know what? I'll just I'll um I'll go ahead and um and, and give Maybe. that one. It's we look we look closely at all the different sources of skill points and <laughs> and and yeah, we, we absolutely are iterating and making sure because like like you know like like we said all along, which is you should be able to play the way you want to and get rewarded for doing so. That's the that's the whole core of the progression system and. You know, I think that's that's a fair that's a fair question. You know, it's, you know, how will I be rewarded for playing this way? And one more, I just want to follow up because a lot of people are asking, what is the undaunted skill line? That has to do with actual dungeons too, as well, right? Oh yeah, sure. Um, there's these uh, this this basically this club of adventurers who um, uh, basically are, are are trying to one up everyone, run up one up each other with uh, with how significant their deeds are, um, and. Uh, and so you can join this club, and you advance the skill, uh, uh, the skill line, so that you have access to more of the abilities in it by raising your standing with the club, which is effectively gaining achievements. Right? You kill rare bosses, you go deep into dungeons, and and explore territory that they haven't seen, and then you can brag about it, and and also get access to the the cool late abilities in the skill line. And the undaunted um, skill line is unique from um, a number of the others, and in that every ability in it is uh, a synergy. So it's very oriented on groups uh, and group play. Hold on a second. Every ability inside the Undaunted skill line is a synergy. Yeah, yeah. It has. It has also had an addition to whatever it does. It adds a synergy. Mm-hmm. Huh. Nice. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's you know it's 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 the group. It's one of the main group oriented skill lines. And there's lots of other things you can do. Um, you know, lots of other abilities that 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 work. Uh, in, you know, that create inter- interesting synergies between characters. But. Um, but you know, for literal ones, for the opportunity to press X to do something cool and additional, uh, Undaunted gives you five new options. One of my favorites is, um, well, this is this is a morphy ability, but it's still one of my favorites. Um, you can um, you know, use this ability um, that uh, was taken. You know, it's, it's largely what one of the spider bosses in the game can do, where you throw a web at someone and it'll slow them down, um, and it's a ranged ability. Um, and then an ally can run up to it, and two little spiderlings will spawn out of it, and they'll start attacking the guy that was webbed. Um, oh. And then uh, the, one of the morphs of that is uh, it turns the spiderlings into arachnophobia, and so in addition to spawning spiderlings, the, the target is feared, and then spiderlings are hitting them while they're feared. So that's pretty nasty. Jeez. Yeah, um, oof. And, uh, and it's definitely something that you want to work out for. But, of course, it requires coordination um, uh, to people, and there's things you can do to counter it. So, yeah. you know, I think it's it's one of those things that really is enabled by the, the synergy system, the fact that you need two people to sort of get full value out of the ability, but it's useful on its own, and maybe I want it, you know, just for the just for the base function, or maybe I want to use it in, you know, in concert with, with my friends. Okay. Cool. 
Andrew, uh, what's some of the other stuff here that you, you wanted to bring up regarding uh, the video? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I don't want to go on for too long, but I think there's just, like so much great info in here that I think is like worth talking a little bit about. Uh, one course. thing that seemed pretty cool to me, you talked a little bit about ultimate abilities and how they work and the impact that those are going to have on combat. And I guess one thing that I'm curious about is, you know, what are the, from a design standpoint, what are some of the challenges there? Because in some other games that have had like a sort of pinnacle or keystone ability, combat can sometimes devolve into sort of like combat's just like foreplay and getting like to the, you get to the the one ability and that's like all that matters in the end. And so it's like you're kind of going through the motions just to load up your one really powerful move. And I mean, from what we've seen in, in, in ESO so far, the ultimate seemed to have like a really big battlefield impact, and you know that was something that you highlighted in the video itself. Um, you know, how do you make it to where those are really like they make a big difference, especially when you have multiple people using them? But it's not like too much, uh, I guess, too much of a game changer. Is that something that has been challenging from a design standpoint? Yeah. Do you mean specifically in PvP? Uh, well, I mean, I guess that's when it's it's sort of most prevalent, but. I mean, I guess in, in PvE encounters as well, it's like, you know, you get four people all stacking their ult ultimates on top of a boss or whatever at the same time, and then... Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is awesome, it is, but... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, bosses are bosses are no joke in this game, and so, mm -hmm. you know, ultimates are something that we take into account when we're designing our, when we're designing our bosses. So, you know, like, I, I think it's, it's a safe assumption that everyone is going to save up their ultimates and use them on bosses. And so when we're when we're designing our boss encounters, we know and we assume it. And in fact, in a lot of lots of them, you know, especially for the lower cost ultimates, you use them multiple times. Um, and, you know, and the good news there is we just you know we, we have the dials. So um, you know that's that's just absolutely a part of the balance consideration whenever you're making anything. If it's a low level boss, maybe you know they'll we we expect they have these ultimates. And if it's a high level boss, then we know oh, they have the full suite available to them. Mm -hmm. So you know lots of things are possible. Um, as far as PvP goes. Um, this goes back to sort of the general philosophy, which is making sure there's counters, making sure people always have an option. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Nova, the the you know the, the one I bring up all the time, but it's you know it's the it's the it's the super counter to to Nova or anything is negate magic. Yeah, you got those sorcerers, and it's a super it's a super fun way to play in PvP. Is you just sit there and you hold onto your negate magic ultimate. And as soon as you see them, all those that, that group of coordinated people, you know, just getting ready, getting ready for their super ultimate. It's like bam, 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 Storm Atronach and Nova, and they're all stacked up on top of each other, and you're like, whoops, negate magic. And you just w wasted all of that, you know, that power, and I countered it. Um, and so it really is going to encourage those guys to actually stagger them or spread them out mm -hmm. if they think there's a possibility it's going to get countered. And then now, okay, these things are staggered. Do I still want to use them to get magic? You know, it's, it's, it's much more interesting interplay. Um, if, if people have options to cope with them. And, um, and on top of that, right, a lot of the times the ultimates are doing things that are um, oriented on stuns or knockbacks or something really, you know, sort of, you know, impressive like that. And everyone can get out of those or prepare to, to make themselves immune to them if they need to. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that you, you always have options for dealing with what these awesome effects are. But if the other player can set it up and use it at just the right time, then, you know, that may be, that may be curtains and, and it's time for you to, you know, figure out how you're going to beat the next time. Sounds good. Uh, you know, it mentioned in the video that Ultimate doesn't use one of the three main resource pools, the, the health, stamina, magicka, but there is sort of like an ultimate resource, I guess, that governs like whether or not you can use your ultimate ability. 
are there some classes or places in the game where people can specialize into like getting better at like getting their ultimate faster or like being able to use their ultimate more frequently? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I think let's see, the sorcerer has a passive that reduces the cost of ultimates. Um, I know if you're if you if you're lucky enough to become the emperor in AVA, <laughs> in addition to a bevy of other incredibly powerful passives, one of them <laughs> is one where you you generate five x five times the amount of ultimate. So you are just a yeah. machine. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> like they're just Aatronox and Novas everywhere, um, and you know, and it makes you a really high value target. You know, if, if that wasn't an, if you weren't enough of one already by being the emperor, but you do have sort of this awesome capacity, and that's a rare thing, right? That you don't, don't expect to see that all the time. But when it does, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty powerful and, and over the top. And yeah, there's lots of skills skills that will increase the rate at which you gain it, um, skills that reduce the the cost of them, things you can do to generate it more quickly. Uh, two two handed weapon. Um, the, the the ability cleave, which is the base two-handed weapon ability, you have two morphs for it. One, which is brawler, which for each target you get, you get a increasingly powerful damage shield, makes it a little more tank oriented. Uh, and then there's, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but what it does is for each target you hit, you generate two additional ultimates. Mm. And so you can use that to become really super effective at generating it, and then and then outputting you know your ultimate more frequently um, if you want to play pure aggressive. Uh, and there's lots of examples like that. Ultimate is, you know, playing, playing with the ultimate resource is something that we utilize a lot in our abilities. How do you know when you have enough ultimate to actually use it? Uh, yeah, you're, you, have a, you effectively have a little meter um, that, that fills up on your, on your ultimate um, button, and then it, when, it, when, it, when it's full, it, it glows, and then you can use it. Will there be an option to, like, maybe have a numerical version instead, just so we know exactly when we can do it? Yeah, for, so, you know, for, for, any, for any sort of custom feature like that you know and, and, and for for every one of these right there's actually a hundred more suggestions out there and you know there's so many ways people might want to customize their interface for exactly the way they play what we did is we just put all the time into making sure that the interface was modable so that you can actually get that that add-on and, and make and put the number in there if you want to or you know show how fast you're generating anything you want to do because that information is available to you and uh, you know that was why we made the decision because there are so many little pieces of information or ways you may want it to be displayed. Um, and rather than trying to pick something in the middle that would satisfy ultimately no one, we just stuck with our UI vision, which is immersive. And then our, you know, our UI team, which again, I'll praise, just put all that, you know, that hours of work into making it so that, you know, all that stuff was exposed to people and could ultimately, you know, be, be made the way they want to. All right. Andrew, yes, I would expect an ultimate meter add-on to be a thing that make. Like <laughs> that won't surprise me when that happens. <laughs> Andrew, uh, anything else? Yeah, so here's one that maybe would be good to go around the the panel about. Um, see if anyone has thoughts. So I, I'm I'm wondering one thing that wasn't specifically mentioned in the video because it's not, I guess, directly a, a character advancement mechanic, but it's more of like a combat mechanic. But it relates to it relates to your acquisition of skills and stuff. Is is uh, the weapon swapping that you can do, that everyone can do in combat, where you have your two weapon sets, and it changes out the the loadout of skills that are on your hotbar um, that you have access to at any given time. How is how's the weapon swapping going to work in terms of like? Does that can you really like take advantage of ten skills at a time during combat because of the swap, or it's like when you swap or certain skills that were on your other bar going to like no longer remain effective? So I guess what we were talking about before the show that you know we were all a little curious about is could I like summon out a pet 
basically yeah, like using one question. weapon and then like you know switch to like a different weapon set and I'd still have the pet following me around or is it going to be like you lose whatever you had yeah before? I think I think um one one of the things that that um Andrew had brought up while we were sort of discussing this uh putting the notes together the other day was you know if if you have a, a permanent pet out and you do a a uh, weapon swap all right. What exactly is going to happen with that pet? And and uh, you know, at the same time, with other kind of uh, either skills or abilities that sort of act in that way of a pet. You cast it once; it's there for a while. You know, how does that work with weapon swapping, Nick? Well, that's certainly a good question. It's it's one we actually um, that that came up in you know, and as part of our our beta uh, iteration cycles. Um, so. Something we absolutely want out of weapon swapping is that it is something you can use actively in combat to change your change your role if you want on the fly or just give yourself access to additional abilities. So it doesn't have a cooldown. I mean, it, it takes time to actually do it. It takes a couple seconds to swap your weapon, but you can then just swap back right immediately. There's no <clears throat> there's no restriction on any of that. And if you've got a spell that you want, or, you know, if you want to pull out your two-handed sword and cleave a bunch of guys and then switch to your one-handed shield and start and start blocking, like you can. That's there's there's no penalty on doing it. You just they share the same resource pools, right? It's they're both magicka and stamina. So, you know, you're going to have to, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, use them as you as you as sort of uh, as you want. But um, as far as the toggle permanent abilities goes specifically, um, that was something that came up is people were utilizing their secondary bar not for this active role, but, mm-hmm. well, I would just put all the toggle abilities on there and then focus entirely on this one thing. That and was my first thought when I was right, like, right. that's um, totally what I would do. So I was um, like, and, yeah, and, and it was something that people did, and my initial instinct towards it was, well, let's, let's see how that works. And I think the end result is, is basically that it, was, it, it, it had certain advantages to it. It wasn't the best thing ever. There was, there was downsides for sure, but it had certain advantages to it that, was affecting the game in a way we didn't want. So we took specifically the permanent abilities, the toggled permanent abilities, and said, those ones go off. Now, that isn't true. If you put the pet on both bars, you can swap back and forth all day, and then you'll, you won't lose your pet. Um, but if you want to take a, you know, a, you know, like, if you want to try to load out your entire backup bar and then swap, you'll lose any active um, permanent buffs. Now, something like a short-term defensive buff, like mm-hmm. spiked armor or something like that, it's perfectly valid as a playstyle and, and fits the active uh, intent of weapon swapping to pull out my sword and shield, fire off spiked armor, and then swap back and go back in. Uh, and so that's something we still continue to support. It was just specifically the pets and and, um, and uh, mage light and a couple other permanent toggle abilities that, that we did this for. So basically to keep your pet, what you're going to have to do is is take take the pet and put it on both both um, uh, loadouts, both oh. hot bars, in order to, to keep it. And it won't if, like if you're planning to actively weapon swap, yeah, um, that would be that would be a way you could deal with it if you wanted to maintain a pet and, and, and or or toggle ability is put it both at. Uh, you know, there's there's also the option of you know playing a little bit. You know, like you can play how I was describing, where you have two kind of different um, abilities with with similar playstyles, like two melee weapons, two handed and one handed shield, and I just want to have access to those specific abilities. Or you can just have them treated more like an entire role swap. Like your backup weapon can be all heal abilities and your primary weapon can be all tank abilities. And then you're not really going back and forth every two seconds like you might with something that's um, you know, a little more single role focused. And in that scenario, maybe you're fine to have pets on your your heal bar. And since you're gonna stay there for minutes at a time, it's not really a big deal if you have to switch to your tank build for a couple minutes and you lose your pets when you do it. Okay. Um, 
What led to the decision of having a level requirement for you to even be able to use the weapon swap thing? Um, well, uh, I think it, it's, it basically is that you, have, you start from having no abilities, and so as you're filling in your bar, we wanted to introduce the possibilities, you know, the, the concept of um, I have to do some deck building, I have to choose which exact abilities I want at any given time, and then just about the moment where you're starting to feel some tension about that, like, I kind of want all these, then we give you the weapon swap, and like, okay, now you get that again, and then it'll be another you know, a uh, dozen or so levels before you really start to feel that tension one more time, but by then you've got a really flexible build. And, you know, would, you, there. would you consider <laughs> lowering it to maybe 10, so right when you get into PvP, you're allowed to switch weapons? Uh, you know, like, as, as with anything, as with any number in the game, it's absolutely the case that we are considering, um, you know, with any patch note, bringing, going up or going down, um, because... You know, it's a it's a it's a interactive game development process, and if that's what's going to feel right for the game, and that's what you know is 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 you know between the fans and the developers, that's what we agree is the best thing for the game. We'll absolutely do it. You know, I'm not married to any one choice. Road is uh, sitting here looking very thoughtful indeed, and <laughs> I want to know what's what's cooking Something in that coming. that naked Nordic brain of his. <laughs> Nothing good, I promise. <laughs> no, I was just thinking of how entertaining the thought would be is if you guys uh, decided that instead of having it go down, you put it up. Just say put it to 50. That way you have to get to 50 before you can switch weapons. That would really make the, mush, the rush to 50 fine. fantastic. And whoever wins. The crying. <laughs> we'll so do much that. crying. <laughs> I was also thinking of the different ways I could basically put two-handed swords in both weapon slots and you know change my play style in between those two. But yeah. I wasn't uh, thinking yeah, of anything yeah. relevant with that. I mean, you'd need two. You'd need two two-handed swords, but right. if you yeah. want one that has a, you know, a, a frost enchant, you're going to slow people, and then you want one that has berserking, so you can get the extra focus out of it. So exactly, you know, have different swords for different situations. Yeah. That's how a real Nord prepares for war. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Andrew, how are we doing on the on on uh, on the list? I'm I'm pretty I have more but I'm I'm gonna wind down here I, I think uh, right. I wanna I wanna maybe hit one more that I think would be good for group discussion maybe hopefully let's let's um, make sure that we've got the important stuff out there you know I mean we we've got all we've got all the time in the world and uh, and uh, you know as long as we get the the good stuff out you know well yeah so let's talk about vampire and and werewolf because that's something that like you know so many people are excited about and I mean we haven't seen those exact skill lines yet but we know they'll be in we know you'll be able to choose one that there is like an exclusive choice and maybe maybe I don't know I don't want to speak for for you Nick I don't actually know but maybe there's a way that you can do a quest or something and reverse your decision if you change your mind and maybe you could speak to that I don't know but um, you'll be able to choose one of those skill lines and you'll get access to uh, a new set of skills because you're a vampire or a werewolf. What I'm sort of wondering in general about those two skill lines is will they have more... will they have any sort of mechanical effects on the way your character actually plays in addition to simply granting you an additional set of skills you can use? Like, will you, because you're a werewolf, you know, regenerate health? Or will you, because you're a vampire, have better vision or something in addition to just sort of the skills that you could then map onto your bar? Um... So, uh, I'd say vampire and werewolf is one of those things that, you know, like I like to give all the information in the world, but it's one of those ones <laughs> yeah. that we just think is so cool. We're so excited about how people find it and, and develop it that 
it's a, it's a surprise I want to leave for the players as much as possible, something they can experience themselves because it's, mm-hmm. a, it's an organic process. And, um, and it's, I think it's going to be really interesting. So I don't want to give it all away. But, I mean, the short answer is, is yes, those are things we've taken into account. They're thematic and they're, and they're things that will fit within, um, you know, the perceptions and the, and, and, uh, and the, and the established lore of, of vampires and werewolves in Elder Scrolls games. But exactly how is something that, you know, I want to, and I think we all want to leave a mystery so that you guys can, can experience it for the first time yourselves. Sure, sure. I mean, maybe here's an easier one, uh, is just, I guess, since they're mutually exclusive and it's like one or the other, are there going to be, an, is there enough of a downside in place that maybe choosing neither is also a, a viable character progression option just from in terms of, like, I want to have the best character I can, does that mean I need to either be one or the other, or, or do they have enough sort of drawbacks that you can make that choice to, to be to take neither transformation. Yes, they, they have enough drawback that, that taking neither is a perfectly viable option. In fact, I would expect a lot of people to pick that because, you know, the drawbacks can, you know, they, they can be significant. And um, and in, to answer a question you said earlier, yeah, you can you can back out of your choice. There's, there's ways to back out of your choice or change Ooh. it. Awesome. Well, that puts my heart at ease a little bit about that because I just, you know, I wouldn't want it to turn into like Underworld Online, where it's like you know everyone, you know, every, you pick, pick your side, but then that's uh, anyways. Let's, let's never reference Underworld again. It's all about yeah. darkness, after all. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I think uh, just just as a quick example, right? So we are talking about you know we've talked about fighters' guild abilities, and and the theme of that is about you know it's about being a monster hunter. It's about slaying Gaedron. It's about slaying undead. And indeed, there's actually a passive you can take that makes all your effects, uh, all your abilities also affect werewolves. And so, you know, if you start seeing a lot of uh, player vampires and werewolves on the field and they're, they're affecting you, well, there's a skill line that's pretty good at, you know, hunting. I mean, you, you might want to use some silver bolts and shoot that, uh, that vampire, and, uh, and, and I think you'll like what happens you know, when, how when would, you're that. How would the, the Fighters Guild NPCs, will they have a, a reaction to you if, they, if you as the player are of a supernatural persuasion yourself will that <laughs> prevent you from advancing the fighters guild or is it like you're sort of clandestine like they don't know they don't know that you have a dark side and i don't know maybe uh, yeah it's, it's more like the second one i mean i okay. think you know the answer is a little bit more about letting people have have some choice and you know and and not wanting to undo progress or anything along those lines you know and having 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 choices sometimes you know letting letting people do those sorts of things plus you know uh, being a being a vampire and vampire hunter, I've seen that movie. That's a thing that's allowed. Choices <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure should have consequences. A uh, question about the werewolf models: Have you put any consideration into having maybe race specific uh, werewolf models? <laughs> so, like you know, maybe the high elf ones have longer ears or something, or the Khajiit <laughs> looks like cat dog or something because it's both cat and dog. I can see you guys are going to keep trying, but I'm sticking <laughs> with my original answer. Of, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I really want people to discover the, the things that we have. I would be remiss if I, I didn't ask this, though, because I am getting harassed uh, in another chat window. Um, can you confirm or deny if there will be any real significant weaknesses to uh, overall, if you make the choice, I mean, obviously you're going to have the the ones from the Fighters Guild, but beyond that point, there are significant weaknesses. Fantastic, he'll be happy with that, I'm sure, or maybe not. Oh well. Can you can you talk a little <laughs> bit about some of those significant weaknesses? Is that something that you're able to do? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I could probably talk about how you become a world vampire too. 
<laughs> All right, okay. Wait, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Almost had Dang it. Well played, Kong. <laughs> or as, uh, as he's known in his Hispanic territories, El Conk. El Conk. El Conk. French Canada, Le Conk. Le Conk. International nickname. That's the, that's the key to it. That's it. Um, all right. Well, Andrew, I mean, that was, that was, uh, that was great. Actually. I really appreciate you bringing that onto, onto the old Alliance. And, yeah, uh, of course, I think there was a lot of great info in the video and I think, uh, I don't know, it certainly has spawned a lot of top talking points on, on Tamriel Foundry. So it's, it's great to get a chance to address some of that with, with you directly, Nick. So thank you. Yeah, um, but, you know, absolutely. And you're welcome. And I, I, I love reading all the the talk myself, right? You know, all the all the speculation and all the you know the ideas about what people do. So I'm, I'm happy to provide as much fuel for that fire as we possibly can. Well, why don't we? Uh, I don't know, Evarwin. It's you know your call, but turn it over to to Shoddycast. Turn. Actually, get, um, uh, speaking of fuel on the fire, I sort of want to. Uh, we've got at least one tiny little discussion point to get into, and then I oh, sort of yeah. want to get into these. Uh, these misconceptions, and then I want to open up the floor for for the onslaught of of questions from fans and and the rest of us. Bring it on! Bring bring it! <laughs> the conch says, "Bring it, and it shall be brought." So, Paul Sage on Adventure Zones, and this was written by uh, David Adams of Elder Scrolls Off the Record dot com. Who we we basically what happened was there was an interview done with uh, with Paul Sage, creative director of Elder Scrolls Online, and uh, it was uh, GameReactor.eu got a chance to sit down with him to speak about a few aspects of the game, and particularly, Paul Sage had answered on the current workings of Adventure Zones. Now, go ahead, head over to GameReactor.eu to get the, the, the full, the full uh, Q&A with Paul Sage. All right. However, there was this this tiny little bit that you know, um, Andrew kind of just, you know, feverishly texted to me earlier today. He's like, you know, holy God, bro, we got this. I'm like, how can we have missed this? But, <laughs> you know, it was missed. And, and we've got it on the show today, and we're really excited about it. The question is this, uh, Doctor Who. No, I'm sorry, is what kind <laughs> of <laughs> instances can we expect in TISO? What kind of instances can we expect in TISA? Will there be dungeons for larger groups such as raids? Will there be open world encounters? That came from GameReactor.eu. And uh, Paul Sage's answer was, was this, and I quote, We're going to have public dungeons that are more geared towards two players and four-man dungeons, which we internally call instances. So there's that. Finally, at launch, we'll have what we call Adventure Zones for larger groups of 12, and we'll be releasing more details on those zones in a little bit. The latter might be compared to what people usually call raids, but they are a little bit different than what people are used to. They are still a lot of fun to play with a number of other players. End quote from Paul Sage. <laughs> Looking at you, Mr. Conkle. <laughs> So um, I, like, I like to end with the Paul Sage too. That's like, like that's that's how we end conversations with him too. Like, <laughs> this is Paul Sage. Um, well, um, I think this is one of the situations where today is probably not going to be the day where those details are are forthcoming. Um, but Damn. I will say this. Damn it, Conkle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say this. It was in fact the day today. 
3 p.m. Eastern that I was playing in an adventure zone, and it's awesome. So oh. there's that teaser for you. Fantastic. <laughs> hey. So we we know we know that adventure zones um, are part of the the large group. Uh, PVE content at raid, uh, at end level, and that they are what um, Zenimax calls uh, what other people would say raids. All right, uh, they are there are groups of twelve people. I know you can't answer a whole lot on this, uh, Nick, but is there is there anything surrounding this topic? Um, that you can at least speak to maybe just a little bit, maybe nothing new, maybe no new information. I guess I'm not really like trying to dig for new information. Cause if you, if I, if you would give it, if you could give it, you would, and I know you want to, and I don't want to, you know, torture you, but, uh, the, maybe there's some information out there that, that a, a lot of us, especially in the chat room and, and certainly, you know, we miss this. Um, is there anything out there that maybe we missed for surrounding this topic? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think this is just one of those ones where I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you know more information is forthcoming. Paul said it, and 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 it'll be coming, and we're excited for it. Okay, and you can expect to see it. But uh, like I, all I can say is you know I I don't necessarily handle all the schedules, and I don't handle all the you know the deadlines for all those things. But sure. I play it. I get to play everything, and I played it, and it's and it's a blast. It's a blast playing with playing running through an adventure zone with. Um, with my coworkers. So. so we we didn't miss anything. This is it. So far, the update is uh, what you may consider to be a raid, slightly different in Elder Scrolls Online, is going to be uh, 12-man instances known as Adventure Zones. They will be at launch. And um, and there you have it. That's that's uh, that's the information right now. I mean, that's a huge... Even, even without any further talk about it, I mean, that's a really good thing to hear. And I, I think that... I speak for a vast majority of the fan community when I say like we can't wait to to find out more about the mechanics that you guys have planned for us. So um, we'll we'll be eagerly awaiting more info. I think. Yeah, you know, I, I will say this that that a that a large scale experience, an experience that is you know developed you know for for groups, um, you know you know because you could have played that game you know, largely in groups all through your leveling up process. We want there to be something for you at the end um, that you can continue to play in groups and, and advance on that. And that's a philosophy we have throughout our progression. You know, if you want to play all solo, then there's an end game for you solo. And if you mm-hmm. want to play all in groups, there's an end game for that. So, you know. Nick, you, in, in your personal history, you play MMOs? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, off the top of your head, how many do you think you've played in your in your experience? Um, I don't know, some somewhere somewhere between five and ten. Five and ten. Do you raid in them? Absolutely. Casually, competitively. Uh, I I was pretty a pretty hardcore raider in my time. Yes. Well, it was one of the games that you like hardcore raided in. <laughs> we're getting into details. It's like you a, may not know it right now, but yeah. you're applying to his guild. Yeah, this <laughs> is a guild interview. What'd you have for dinner today? No. <laughs> Nothing yet. Oh. oh. <laughs> it's gonna be sushi, by the way. It's oh, be- yummy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what what was one of the games that you hardcore raided in? Uh, I World of Warcraft. Okay. In your personal experience. Would a raider be happy with adventure zones? Hmm. <laughs> that was sneaky. I like nice. the joke. You just snuck that <laughs> into you. 
<laughs> That's when you can try to jump over the top. Um, yeah. I, I will say this. I am a person who uh, enjoyed raids uh, of the Hardcore Persuasion, and I enjoyed the heck out of the adventures when I was playing today. It's great to hear. I'll take it. I like that. That's good. All right, let's let's move on before we torture him more. But <laughs> Absolutely, I, I think uh, I don't know. That's that's really good to good to hear about the the adventure zones. So. All right, um, misconceptions. All right, and then questions from from the uh, from the gentleman here, and of course uh, from all of our our different followers, listeners, and and fans as well. Uh, so there are some misconceptions out there, and I want to I want to you know give Nick the chance to to sort of air out some of the ones that that he has uh, first. So so Nick, what are some what are some misconceptions that that you've you've seen crop up in like in the last month or so or the last two months or some What are some of the ones? And if there aren't any of those, what are some of the ones that really have just hit home with you that you would love to say? Man, you know what? They've got it so wrong, and I'm so passionate. I really want to just get it out and get it. Make sure that the right message is said. What What's some of them that are out there? Um, I'll tell you the one. And I read I read forums all the time because you know, in a lot of ways, that's my link with the with the fans. Both our internal beta forums and and external ones. And um, and you know, there's any number of small ones which I'm sure you guys uh, will, will bring up. Um, that, that I any given time I'm like I want to be like no no it's not that let me just type up a quick answer for you and of course <laughs> if I did that nonstop I don't I don't know that I'd ever have time to develop the game um, but the big one is is about is about beta and the process of in, inviting people in and when you're attempting to scale right when you're attempting to uh, get ready for such a large number of people hitting your service. And this is both from a technical standpoint and from a design standpoint. Um, you have to eat some bumps. And, it, and if they don't happen on their own, you introduce them. You, you make sure things break so you can practice recovering from things breaking. And, and so you can, you, can, you can practice dealing with them and coping with them and, and all your channels for that because that's how you deliver a premium service day one. And a lot of times... Um, what I see, you know, from people who've participated in a, in a beta, and um, and experienced some things that were that were actually just us having technical problems, but they assumed were part of the game. Um, you know, I think that's there's a whole category of things like that where they're like, well, you know, why why would you introduce so much, you know, uh, you know, slowness in the in the sword attacks? And I'm like, that's that's not a thing we did. That's 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 a technical problem <laughs> that's that we're experiencing right now, and it might even be an intentional technical. We may be seeing, you know, seeing how the, the system deals with, uh, you know, high process times or something like that. So, you know, that's that's it's sort of one of the fundamental um, trade-offs in the beta, which is, you know, you want to get people in, you want to get their feedback, and you want to get testing in, but also you want to make sure that everyone who plays the game has the best experience possible. And so for all those people who are in there and are maybe like, well, that was not, you know, there was this one thing that just wasn't what I was expecting, or even these few things that just seemed off, there's a pretty good chance that was a bug and not a fundamental part of the design. So, you know, in general, I think, you know, you can give us the benefit of the doubt as far as, you know, um, you know, this moment-to-moment experience if you found some issue in it and, and that it's actually something we're very much actively looking into. Road, uh, awesome. could you, would you mind, uh, would you mind bringing, uh, presenting number three in misconceptions to, uh, to, to Nick? Absolutely. The playable game space, based on what's shown in the interactive Tamrielic map, is apparently too small. <laughs> oh, that's the, that's the end of the misconception. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's big. It is really big. Um, I, uh, uh, like, I can't even, I haven't even, I've been working on the game for six years, and I haven't been everywhere. Um, so I can, t- I can tell you that as anecdotally, but I think probably better evidence would be um, if you play um, Oblivion, um, the continent of Cyrodiil, um, which was the entire game, Oblivion, which I think, generally speaking, people regard as massive in terms of the amount of places you can explore. Uh, our Cyrodiil, um, which is the area where the Alliance War is occurring, is the same map. We started with that height, the height map from their game, and it's the same size. So, um, you know, and, and we, we leveled it a little bit for, from a PvP perspective, but the middle part of our game that is not even any of all of the exploration of the rest of the continent, which, you know, the, the entire playthrough from 1 to 50, just that, just that PvP experience is the size of an entire previous Elder Scrolls game. So wow. uh, there are multiple entire Elder Scrolls maps in, in Tamriel available. Multiple. I don't know the exact number, but it's definitely greater than two and probably more than that. So then At it's... some point, I should probably find this out because people ask me fairly often, but usually, like, to get a sense of scale that it's much bigger than any game has ever been in the Elder Scrolls franchise in terms of landmass. So by, it's actually it's actually true to say that the game is probably about the size uh it, bigger than the the playable game space in both um Oblivion, Skyrim and probably even Morrowind. Uh yeah, I mean I, I don't have the exact numbers, but Yeah, but I mean just based on what you said, I mean you could probably so I, so I can't confirm that um, unfortunately, yeah. but I I know it's massive and it's certainly bigger than any one of those. Uh Kyle, uh number 2 please with misconceptions. Uh, uh, ah, yeah. uh, okay, uh, skill morphs. Uh, before, we believe that there's going to be multiple morphs per skill, but now apparently there's only going to be one. Uh, was that always the case? It, it has always been the case that you, you advance a skill for the first bit, and then you choose how you want to progress it. You choose your morph choice, and then from there you progress it. Um, that's the way that works. And has always worked. Okay, and uh, one one final one as well, and um, I'm I'm bringing this up not to give you Ajita, I, I swear to God, <laughs> but because I'm trying to rather relieve my own. Um, <laughs> I have <laughs> quite a few people that that have come to me in the past, um, and also this week most recently, saying that the only thing to do at the end of Elder Scrolls Online is to PvP. I know this is a misconception because obviously there's large group PVE content awaiting. Um, however, you know, um, um, what you know, that's a general description, of course, but it's there. Uh, what would you say to a person who came up to you, had no idea who you were, and, and you you said, "Hey, you know, Elder Scrolls Online. What do you think?" And they're like, ah, "The only thing to do is to p- play PvP at the end of the game." What would you say to that guy? Uh, that's funny. Also, you get bonus points for using Ajita in a sentence. That's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> um, well, it's funny. I don't have to imagine that at all because that happens to me roughly once per hour when I'm at a convention. Um, the answer is there is, an, there is a progression and end game for every type of gameplay because that's, that's Elder Scrolls. You should be able to play and continue to play exactly the type you played you know, exactly how you how you wanted to the entire time. So if you want to start in PvP, level in PvP, 
you can absolutely do that. There's rewards, you can get skill points from doing it, you can advance all your skills, there's no restrictions on any of that, and then you can get to the end, and you can become emperor, and there's a, you know, and, and you can get to the end game of all of that. Right, and, and there's a little PvE in, in PvP as well. Little oh, yeah, sure, you can run into the caves um, and, and explore all those as well, and there's lots of activities there, and yeah, you know, you know, but the point is there's a progression associated with that and an end game associated with that. There's also the single player, or I, I call it single player, but that's not really true. Let's call it the over, overland, right, mm-hmm. where it's more like the world and exploring. And if you want to, you can play it as a single player, or you can play it with two people uh, or more, as many as you want. But um, if that's what interests you, a really, you know, a really sort of more solo experience um, like a previous test title, then that's, I think, generally what we refer to. Um, and you play that entirely from 1 to 50. Well, okay, I've, I've taken this character and I've progressed him through that. Well... Now it's time for me to start working through the veteran zones. And I use this term veteran um, uh, because it's it's the same term we use across all three types, right? There's veteran alliance war gameplay, there's veteran uh, overland gameplay, and there's veteran dungeon gameplay. Um, and the progression that you make within any one of them advances your veteran levels. So there's an end game for however you want to play, and you can continue to advance your character and get stronger and get better loot, regardless of how you use it. So, yes, you can then go play the veteran zones of the other alliances, which is a whole new experience, and there's a you know a fiction and, a, and lore that explains it that I'll let you guys discover for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, once you're done with that, um, which, by the way, is a large number of hours... Uh, there's a whole other one, the Third Alliance. So there's a huge overworld gameplay that you can explore, ultimately having seen the entire world that we that we put in the game. And, of course, we're going to be releasing new stuff, so there'll be more for you to do there. But even even at launch, it's just an insane number of, of possible hours if you play that way. And then in Dungeons, same, same story. We have multiple dungeons available sort of at every level. Uh, tier starting, you know, at, at, at you know, sort of a fairly low one, and you can play entirely in groups. And there's rewards specific to dungeons, like Undaunted, um, and and you can get, um, you know, advance your character ex- exclusively by doing dungeons. And then when you get to the end game, introduce the veteran dungeons. And the veteran dungeons are not just heroics um, in the sense that all we did was take the same dungeons and slap. 30% more health and 30% more damage on all the monsters. No, like, each dungeon or game has a story, and when you get to the veteran dungeon, you see that story completed. And so, and, and that dungeon won't have the same monsters, it won't have the same layout, it won't have the same story. It's just a continuation of what you played when you first started. And so, you know, an example is, there's a dungeon you play um, where uh, effectively the last thing you do is barely escape as this Daedric portal's opening and the whole place is sort of about to become overwhelmed and and you you know you and you you know quickly escape just just as a, just you're about to come overwhelmed and you know of course you get rewarded for all, for for having done it and succeeded and you know you kill the last boss and then get out of there when you come back to it in the veteran levels a lot of bad things have been happening and and festering while you were gone I mean you're going to come back in there and deal with the fact that all of these things were open and that whole time you were gone they were overrunning the place and you have to take it back and it's completely different monsters and it's completely different you know there's new rooms laid out there's new bosses so you know each dungeon in the game potentially you know you, you can you can see the the next tier of that if you uh, if you get to the veteran you know the veteran version of it so you know, every every facet of the game has an end game, and that's something that is is a philosophy that's core to the game, and we'll continue with as we develop more content after launch as well as at launch. All right, that's that's excellent, Nick. I have a quick question for you. Um, it, the last I'd heard, so maybe something like fifteen or sixteen dungeons at launch, but not all of them will have a full veteran storyline right away. But I think I had heard 
something around the order of six dungeons will have like a full veteran extension. Is that approximately accurate? Yeah, I don't have the exact numbers, but that sounds roughly correct. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. Is um is there is there going to be a time uh, very soon or or at all before before launch where um, Zoss sort of like opens up and says, "Here is all of the information about Adventure Zones," and and if if that is actually coming out, um, do you? I mean, sooner rather than later, later <laughs> rather than sooner. Man, you're just trying every way. <laughs> I like it. I really I've, appreciate. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get a, a vague answer is what I'm I'm trying not not like a not a vague answer and and I really appreciate your patience and I know I'm being a complete pain in the ass, <laughs> but I'm I'm trying to get a feel so the community can can kind of like understand because I I and I was I was very very vocal about this on yesterday's show and um, I don't know if you heard it or not but I mean there is there is a frustration. And I am myself personally a bit frustrated as well regarding um, the the lack of communication from Zenimax to to its followers on this game, as far as you know, end game and adventure zones and you know, in quotes, uh, rating, though it's not really an applicable term here. Um, so there there is a, a bit a big frustration out there, and and believe me that you know when I when I ask the question, it's because there's a lot of people that really uh, have turned. From from what I've I've been told from people that they've turned their attention to other games because they haven't heard what they think is a sufficient information regarding endgame PVE content from Zenimax. Um, all right, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess uh, all I can say about that is there we that we, we do have a plan for these things. Okay, that it that it's very exciting and that. You know, there's there's a there's a there's an order in which you know, and, and a time in which we want to you know unveil these things. And a lot of it is not because um, we want to be vindictive or like dangle a carrot or you know, like there's there's a puppet master thing. A lot of the times, like you know, there's nothing quite like experiencing something for the first time. And so a lot of the time, we we just don't necessarily want to reveal all the details just because I think it'll improve the you know we think it'll improve the player experience. So, you know, don't, don't assume that we're just like sitting, sitting our back and being like, ha ha ha, we'll just starve them for information and then they'll, you know, <laughs> and then occasionally we'll feel, feel, feed them a scrap or something like that. Like, no, it's, it's not at all like that. You know, we, you know, it's, I cannot wait for the moment where everyone can get into the game and experience it for themselves and talk about it. I really can't. I and mean, you know, it's, that's the whole reason why you become a developer. But one thing I, you know, I want to make sure of is, is that, you know, the, the process by which everyone gets that information doesn't taint the experience. Um, and, and also just that things come at the right time. So, you know, I uh, I don't want anyone to feel frustration and, um, you know, obviously uh, about this information. And and all I can say is if it is something that, you know, is, is frustrating you, then, you know, just give us some time. And I, you know, I, I promise that you'll be excited about what, what, you know, what we do say when we do and, and what you experience when you get there. Fair enough. I think, I think it's also worth, you know, remembering... It. At least that you know, MMO gamers in, in general tend to be sort of a fickle community, in that you know we'll be quick to write off a game one month and then quick to, to jump on the bandwagon uh, in another, and that's just sort of the dynamic, the social dynamic of MMO players in general. And I suspect that not too many people are going to be like writing off the game based on anything that happens this year. I mean, it's it's the months in in early 2014 that are going to be so crucial in terms of like 
getting that momentum going with, with hype and stuff. So, I mean, as long as the information is there at that stage, I, I don't think... I think people will pretty easily forget what they didn't know in, in 2013. But yeah, that's at least I, my hope. And I don't want to... You know, I wouldn't call them call the MMO community. They'll call them. In, in all honesty... You like, wouldn't? It, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, okay. in all honesty, I would say the MMO community, you know, and I, and yeah. I love it. I love them for it. Is like the most educated about the games that they play. It is it is out of control. Like how smart the MMO the MMO community is. They they want to know every detail. You say one thing, and I can tell you this, you know, personal experience as a developer. One thing that implies something, right? Uh, you know, maybe about a system, you know, in, in some detail, and like bam, they have exactly it figured out, or you know, or they, they they've you know speculated on it, and it's, and it's not like I think most other communities like in that way, and. You know, I think that just has to do with the type of game it is. Everyone gets excited about talking about it with each other, and mm-hmm. um, and and as soon as the game you know is out there and everyone's doing it, that's the best thing in the world to have that social community developing and people arguing about what's best and you know and what should be the most important thing next, and also like talking about their great experiences and sharing stories. But yeah, you know, I think I think we all recognize that at this time right now, when there's you know when when you have to develop the game in a certain way to ensure the best possible experience, that there's some frustration that comes out of that. But you know, give us time, and and I, you know, and 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 then I think you everyone will be really happy with the result, and and hopefully, right, if the community is, uh, you know, if we if the community you know uh, comes to the game as we hope they do, that it'll really help enrich it and and, and help us develop moving forward. So, you know, I I definitely don't think of them as fickle. I see them as like razor sharp and scary sharp in a lot of ways <laughs> as a developer. So, you know, that you really have to have every every i dot and every t cross when you design a system because. And the MMO community will will find the will find the problem if there is one. Yeah, that's so. what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. All right, guys. Um, so I guess this is the part of the show where we just sort of open up the uh, the floor to to everyone here. Um, you know, the the misconceptions is is uh, done. That was pretty much all of it. We've got some fan questions. Um, you guys want to address that first, or do you want to uh, get into your your own personal uh, questions from from your group? What do you guys want to do? I'd be fine with going with the fans first. I mean, they are more important. All right. So then um, I guess uh, in that case, Road, why don't you uh, grab uh, a couple of the uh, the ones on the top here on number four? All right. I'll start off with uh, first from Karaneth. Two-handed weapons. Ooh, I like this one already. Will they do noticeably uh, more damage than smaller single-handed weapons? Uh, yeah, you mean if you're just using one? I would assume I so. Assume that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, two-handed weapon will cause more damage than a one-handed weapon. You can use two one-handed weapons, and then your de- your damage will be comparable as you're swinging both of them. But yeah, you know, if you're just using a a one-hander and say a shield, then yeah, your your damage output would be higher with two-handed. 80-20 is about the ratio. Okay. I'm sorry. Hundred percent, eighty percent, whatever. Eighty <laughs> percent the damage. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Whatever the wield right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Second question: Voice chat. Any plans to add this to, uh, or add this in later to help coordinate large PvP battles in Cyrodiil, or will we be on our own private Teamspeak vent, Mumble, or whatever else servers? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, questions like this, the, the, you know, any plans? Um, you know, we, we've said that that's not something that's going to be in a launch, and I think for any for anything like that. You can you can pretty much assume that we we're having conversations about it. It's it's one of those things where there are so many features that so many different people want, and it, you know we'll be looking closely at the feedback and at the, the you know the metrics and what people have said and and our own numbers to determine what what is the most important one to work on. So yeah, it's it's something that 
you know we've talked about and as are as are many of other possible features in fact several that have been have been discussed here today and, and others as well so you know it's something it's something we're aware of okay uh, this one comes from from shank uh, who asks how do you plan on utilizing the PlayStations 4 touchpad <laughs> uh, I think it's I think it's probably a little early to talk about the details of the of the console development um, but you know I, I look forward to that to that ride and adventure as well. All right, and uh, he also asks, how did the x86 architecture in the consoles help streamline the ports? <laughs> um, okay, um, I am in no way uh, an advanced technical person, so sure. <laughs> I don't know that I can answer that that question satisfactory. Um, satisfactory. Whatever. I don't know if I can answer that question in, in any way that will satisfy someone who seems to have technical knowledge like that guy does. So <laughs> just say um, yes. I yes, will just say that I am I, I am really happy with how it's how it's running. Very good. Uh, Kyle, could you grab the uh, the next one, please? Sure. Let me just say though, even if it hadn't said who that was from, I would have known who those questions were from just by reading. Well, them. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one is from Super Five Hundred Eight. He says, uh, will you choose to adopt the standard MMO approach to weapon swaps, meaning a cooldown or level requirement, or will you choose to stay more in line with Elder Scrolls and allow you to switch your weapons on the fly? Didn't we kind of answer these already? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll a little bit. Cover that a little bit, right? Quick, yeah, quick summary. Um, it's it's a second bar that's available for you. You can swap back and forth at no penalty other than the time it takes you to swap it, which is a couple seconds. And you can use the abilities on your backup bar, which can be completely different from the ones on your other bar, um, and swap between them freely, and and so on. And there was also a lot more details earlier. Well, since my question was a load of bull, I'm going to go to the next one. Uh, from Rage Philosophy, he says, <laughs> My favorite style of play is the spell sword, and with one uh, with a one-handed weapon and one-handed spell usage. Since one-handed skill is tied to sword and shield, I feel that that limits the effectiveness of having only a single one-handed weapon without the shield. Uh, will there ever be a one-handed weapon with one-handed spell skill line? Uh, yeah, also falls in the category of other things we've talked about, um, you know, I think, I think, I, as I recall reading the question, um, he, he even he even mentioned that effectively, uh, you know, that that style of play was was um, uh, utilized to, to some extent by either going dual wield and then using spells, or by going with a two handed weapon and using spells, and and you know, uh, and that's something that's totally supported. But uh, you know, it's it's not that you couldn't do it. It's not that you couldn't play one handed and. and um, uh, and the spells in your offhand and, and be effective. It's just we haven't built a skill line specifically towards that, and it's something that we've talked about. Yeah, who started the whole room or with the runes, like the one-handed sort of staff or wand thing? I remember that way back when. Someone started that rumor. You guys interact with the Internet more than, more than me, so <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been able to successfully track down a rumor? Because if so, I would be interested in knowing how. When we do, I mean, well, I'll yeah. just go ahead and jump on this one. I'll just say I did it. <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> Oh, E2 Brute. Yeah. <laughs> Betrayal from within. <laughs> you all along. You uh, should have expected it. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, uh, from Colin Butler. You you want me to Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Colin Butler asks via Twitter if players become vampires, how does the turn undead spell work? I don't think that's a spell in ESO, so it probably doesn't work, but Nick, 
You want to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like even the fans are in on this trying to get the information uh, about the, the details. I claim um, no responsibility for this question. Sorry, Colin. Yeah, there is an ability in the Fighters Guild um, called Circle of Protection, which um, does repel undead. There you go. Oh, there why you don't go. I? Why don't I pull one or two <laughs> from the TF community as well? I think a, a bunch of people left some in the uh, the comments about the episode. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that I was seeing as a as a recurring theme, Master of Fate, and and a couple of other members of the TF community were wondering about uh, the stealth radius in game, and sort of what that. If you could, I mean, obviously it's hard to quantify in game distance units and stuff on a podcast, but. You know, if you're if you're stealthed in Cyrodiil, and if you have invested some points into your armor to to improve that, sort of what's a what's a realistic distance that you can expect to get to someone before they'll sort of know you're there? Uh, well, that would depend on whether you're sneaking on them from behind the side or the front. Um, certainly, if you're sneaking up on them from the front, then not particularly close. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, outside of you know, 30 feet, like, if they were, if you're trying to go in front of them. Um, so, you know, a good distance. Um, from behind, uh, you know, it's, it's significantly closer. You, you, could, you could approach someone from the, from, from the, the backside and, and be undetected all the way to the point where you stabbed them if you did it, if you did it well. Well, I'm that's sure, you could, I'm sure you that's know, what, something that many people will be attempting. Maybe give them a hug. Yeah. <laughs> Better... Better pack that mage light, eh? Yeah, um, mage light is in fact a pretty a pretty excellent counter to people trying to sneak up on you. Cool, um, because it does not work if you have it on. Well, PVPers out there, remember that one. Oh yeah, and there's uh, a there's a morph of mage light uh, which makes it so it passively while it's on increases your critical strike chance with spells. So in addition to making it difficult to sneak up on, you also crit. So that's pretty good. Yes. Uh, let's see. I got one other. Um, couple of people, uh, I guess Ziz is the, the champion of this one, wants to know if we'll have an option to hide our helmet, uh, or if we can, you can wear a, have a helmet equipped but not displayed on your on your avatar in-game. Yes. There you go. You heard it. <laughs> that, was heard it that was an easy one. <laughs> There's a checkbox. Um, just scanning through these comments really quickly. Will, will there be spears? <laughs> <laughs> you mean like at launch? Uh, yeah, well, in, in general, yeah, I guess. The, the weapon sets at launch are one-handed shield, two-handed, destruction staff, for which there are three types, fire, frost, and, and shock, restoration staff, dual wield, and bow. Okay. So that's, those are what you can look forward to. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, here's a good one. Um, it's sort of related to the crafting again, so if you want to you know, take a punt on this one, it's fine. Uh, question from Lanneman. Uh, will the best crafted armor and weapons uh, be reserved for their creators only, i.e., like bound to them when they're first created, or will everything be be tradable? Uh, no, yeah, it's not reserved. You can trade. Okay, there you go. We got an answer. Excellent. <laughs> um, these are easy. I like these one-word ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, he's uh, looking for another one. I actually have one from a viewer. Uh, Actually, several apparently. So, uh, Nick, over your right shoulder, you've oh, got God. what looks like a luchador <laughs> mask back there, and people want to know if that is actually what it is. And if it is, can we expect to get one oh, in the collector's going. edition? He's going. There it is. Look at that. This is a random African mask I have that has nothing to do with anything <laughs> with that one, but it's, it's, in my opinion. 
<laughs> right? Is that Majora's Mask? Uh, nothing to do with the game. Just <laughs> Is that a Khajiit helmet? <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. We got that one. Oh, You're welcome, chat. Like there you special, go. Special material on me. I have a... There's anything spoilers. I have a Elder Scrolls Online jacket over there. That's about the only piece of paraphernalia I have over here. All right, um, Road. Let's uh, let's stick with you. And uh, why don't you grab some of the the questions you've got down there while while Andrew looks for a few more on on Tamriel Foundry. All right, you want to go to the next one from the list? Yeah. All right. So from Ramsden, I would like to be sure that Field of Vision for for uh, FPS mode. There we go. Uh, I don't think first person mode, not first person shooter mode. View or is it frame per second? I always get confused that. Anyway, going on. <laughs> view is sent to me the correct value of each resolution of the screen. You can tell what kind of games I play. <laughs> so we got a field of view question here. I assume the question is: Is there going to be a slider, or is it going to morph to your various resolution settings? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's how I understood the question. I would like yeah. to be sure that field of view uh, is set to the correct value for each resolution of the screen. For the example. Um, in Skyrim, my resolution is set to 1680 by 1050. The default field of view is 75, which doesn't feel right, so I am able to change this to 90, feeling a lot more natural to play. So I guess really the question is, you know, are you going to be able to toggle your field of view um, inside yeah, ESO? Yeah, or something. It's not, um, it's not a feature we're planning to support at launch, but um, it's, it's one that certainly has been talked about and... and is, is likely to be on the list of, of candidates for something we'll, sure. we'll include in the game before very long. Um, and uh, the default field of view is, is quite large, like the, um, the, the one that uh, he suggested he used. So, you know, there's to make sure that there's maximum availability of um, you know, sort of your peripheral vision and opportunity to deal with the various threats. All right. Um, that seems to be everything that we had on our notes regarding that. Uh, so, so Andrew from Tamriel Foundry, I know you you had a, a couple of questions here that you wanted to add in, and then maybe if you want to either, you know, ask those or or just bring in the ones um, that I've, you had. I've been asking them. Uh, I, I here's here. I have one though. I have a question for you, Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to hit you with the hard ones now. You prepare yourself. <laughs> will minute. I? You mean I? You mean I yeah, won't be yeah. the? Uh, no, I won't be the no, only no, jerk on this podcast. We're up. <laughs> will I be able to get a shield in game that is larger than a dinner plate? <laughs> that is my question. Wait, that was a hard question. Yeah, yeah. of course you can. Show yeah. me the goods. <laughs> where? Well, I don't mean like I'll have on me, but <laughs> yeah, no, we have all. The, I mean, so any shield like. We have all the racial styles, and they all progress. Mm-hmm. So if you if you if you look at the high elf, you know the armor shield in Skyrim, and look at our armor shield at the high end, you will see that they are virtually identical in both sides. Yeah, and I, I saw but, that the, the elven shield in the character progression video looked really good. Yep, and, uh, and that's true. That's true of any of them. Yeah, if you you know they they get to be pretty big, and you know, and then that just has to do with them being you know sort of higher level. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, one one sort of power. common feedback that I'd seen on on TF just from, like, tank enthusiasts is a lot of them felt like they wanted to have that, like, big tower shield, the, you know, the full uh, sort of wall of protection. And from the screenshots that we'd seen so far, a lot of the shields were sort of more like bucklers and stuff. So, uh, okay, yeah, no, there's, buck- bucklers tend to be the sort of the lower, earlier mm-hmm. shields, and then as you develop, you can you can use more. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Uh, Shoddycast, you have some, some prepared questions. Yes. Uh, 
Well, one I've been you know asked about three times a day is whether or not ESO will be sold on Steam at all. Um, what's funny is, <laughs> like, I believe I know the answer to that question, um, but you know, business business questions, I'm just gonna, as a blanket rule, I'm just gonna be like. Don't, I'm not. I can't say with with 100% certainty. And those are the kind of ones where if I screw up, someone gets really mad at me tomorrow. So yes. I'll say, I don't know. <laughs> I make games. That's fine. <laughs> Will there be a collector's edition? <laughs> I make games. Anyone? Anyone else? That's all I got. Is there um, going to be a collector's edition for the game? Yeah, I make games. <laughs> <laughs> I make games. <laughs> okay. Uh, Anything else, Kyle? Yes. Uh, let's see here. Sorry. Oh, the costume system and uh, how people like you know you find gear that you know is just ugly and you can't stand it, but you love the stats on it. Um, you said there's going to be some kind of like costume system to where you can change that. Are we going to be like limited to just the costumes that Zoss makes, or can we basically like use some kind of like transmute stone that changes it to? maybe a previous armor set we've been saving? Um, yeah, that's a fair question. Um, there are a number of systems in place um, oriented on customization. Um, a lot of them go through crafting, but there's other ones as well. Uh, and also expanding on those is something that, you know, like with, with dyes and stuff like that, is something that a lot of people in the community feel really passionate about, and, and you know, and we do as well. So it's something we're, we're looking at pretty actively. Um, I don't know that I have a good sort of quick summary of all the details of all of that, so I'm not going to try and possibly bun, you know, mess it up. So I'll just say that it's something it's something that we look at and, and make sure to, to account for. All right. Uh, anything else, Kyle? Uh, this might kind of lean towards the whole misconception thing, and I don't even know if we can kind of go into this, but uh, of course people breaking those NDAs and everything and are talking about the whole beta, and I, we know, I know we just had a big uh, massive beta test um, last week or whatever. Um, but one of the quotes here was, they feared that ESO was too linear and uh, non-explorative like other uh, Elder Scrolls games. Um, so, But I personally feel that maybe they just, since they were limited to just the beta weekend or whatever, they didn't have enough time to progress in the game to kind of really explore everything. Um, but what can you say that might contradict uh, that statement? Uh, the game starts off... Um pretty linear, like taking you through the tutorial and then getting you sort of spun up on a bunch of the mechanics uh, and introducing you to the story of the game. Yeah, but that's starter zone stuff, right? That's starter zone. It's pretty pretty similar to any other Elder Scrolls game in that way, in that you start by going through the tutorial and then at some point we're just going to unleash you on the world. But I think maybe in in Elder Scrolls Online there's a few more mechanics and so we sort of have an intermediate area where it's semi-explorable and you sort of get used to some of those mechanics, and then from there it really opens up. So yeah, I I, I think if if you want to if you want to play the game as explorer, you will be you will be satisfied. Uh, Nick from the chat room, can we skin Argonians? Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> I think I may be, oh. I think I may know who might be behind that one. <laughs> um, I don't. That's fine. In you response, <laughs> please. In response, can we shave off every bit of fur from those dang kajidi? Oh, uh, yeah. There, there is a new system by which you skin other players, other things. <laughs> that would be a bit awkward. Something, that is not something that is in Nick. If you didn't want to dignify Although that with I an answer, encourage creative use of emotes to <laughs> when you when you I mean, defeat an Argonian. 
Yeah, What's murder to desecration, really? <laughs> I mean, as, as long as they're as long as they're properly horrified in the end, I think you win. Um, Kyle, did you have anything else, or or uh, can uh, did Road uh, want to go next with with his list? I think I'm sated for now. Thank you. All right, sir. Uh, Road, go ahead. All right. I've, uh, first off, I've got one from chat that uh, has been sent to me several times. I actually have someone who's feeding chat stuff to me because. Twitch won't work for me for some reason. <laughs> yeah, um, so, problem. here's the question. Is there going to be a scaling system for higher level team members so they can scale down to the team leader and can join in on lower quests? So, in short, a mentoring system. Uh, there is no mentoring system planned for launch. Uh, as with all of these things, it's something we've talked about and, and something that you, you may see in the future. Ooh, I'd be very interested in that. Mentoring systems are, are amazing. Yes, that's something I would really love to see personally too. So. I'm, I, we are we are all in favor of players playing together, so I mean that's something we we definitely talked about. Very cool. All right, so uh, going to my questions. Um, all right, first off, how will the, and this has kind of been addressed during the show, but how will NPCs passively address players based on the choices the players have made? So, for instance, if you ended up picking werewolf in Skyrim, the NPCs would just kind of make comments like. Is that fur growing out of your ear? I mean, are we going to be able to expect to see see or hear things like that in the game also? Yep, similar to any other Elder Scrolls game, um, both based off your achievements and off of you know how you how you built and who you are. All right. So yeah, I mean, if you go out and save a town, they'll remember that you saved the town, and if you're in that town, they'll definitely remember. And you know, and they may have heard about it in the neighboring town and be like, "Wait, were you the guy who did that?" and that doesn't just it, it isn't just the hero Kovach example, right? There's a million there's a million others like you where you know you can yeah, you can they can they can know you as someone who went you know was a went deep into a ruin and recovered something. They'll you know there's there's all sorts of NPCs who'll recognize you for all sorts of things. So yeah, I would expect that to feel like like any other Scrolls game where there'll be there'll be criers, there'll be guys who who uh, who talk about what what's what's happened and a lot of it will be because of you and a lot of it will be directed at you. Awesome. All right, so uh, I just got prompted. Am I still here? Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. Thanks, Google Hangout. All right, so uh, this one I'm going to put toward really everyone, but since, Nick, you're here, you'll probably have the statistics that will really answer the question for us. But there's been a lot of talk in the community about how, because of the success with Skyrim, that the Ebonheart Pact is going to be filled with a bunch of Nords, and it'll be the quote-unquote Nord horde that will wash upon Cyrodiil and devour all things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thanks to Tamriel Foundry over there, we've actually got a little bit of information, at least from their polling results, that it seems like the populations are a lot more even than previously assumed. And despite how some of the fan sites, uh, I'm looking at everyone here, seems to like the Aldmeri Dominion, <laughs> uh, it looks like from those poll results that it's actually Daggerfall that are picking up steam and becoming a more popular faction. Uh, do you have any numbers you can maybe give us of what you've seen in the beta uh, tests on maybe how spread out p- players are across the factions? I don't I don't remember the, the specific numbers, but I remember the general thing, which was that the most popular any time where we let you pick an alliance open ended. Some of the some of the betas have been specific to one alliance, but for each of the open ended ones, uh, it's been different. The most popular one, like it hasn't it hasn't ever been the same one repeated times. So I. I can't say with certainty what what will happen when the game comes out, but all signs point to fairly even. All right. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, because of great. the way our balancing systems all work, and, and the fact that we have a large mega server that that you know spins up according to the needs of the of the area, um, I think uh, you know it it doesn't have to be one to one one to one identical to ensure that there's fair fair balance in PvP uh, areas, which is what people tend to be most concerned about. Like the balance, the balance is enforced on a per map basis. I should say, you know, it's like you know, you know there 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 will be equal numbers. All right. Uh, and this is another question I'd originally uh, planned to put toward everyone, but uh, I mean, we kind of have already talked about this to begin with, but something that I've seen in uh, previous MMOs that I've also reported on and played heavily, uh, there always seems to be this rush to 50, mainly because of the endgame PvE content, but, we, you know, either way, we're still going to have a ton of post-50 content, which means that there will be those players that think the best way to play the game is to go straight to the end game and, you know worry about the rest of stuff later. Um, my thoughts on this is that it's not going to be a really big deal because we've got so many different avenues to really pick what our end game is going to be, and really, just because you hit 50 doesn't mean you've done everything that will allow you to access all that. So, any other thoughts on that? I, I, I agree with you, yeah. Hitting 50 is in no way the end. And it's and it's not even a really a significant percentage of the way through. Like if you've hit fifty, you may have played one of the various avenues of the game halfway through, but probably not even that much. <laughs> like it's just wow. there's just a lot of stuff in the game. Hitting level fifty is not the end of your of of your experience of new stuff, and hitting and hitting level fifty is not the end of your character development. You keep getting skill points, you keep advancing skills, you keep you know you keep moving from there. You 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 advance veteran levels from there, which allows you to put better and better gear. So it's definitely like progression continues. It is it is not just get to fifty and then and then you're done and then wait for new stuff to happen. Awesome. Um, Great. That's really the end of my questions. Yeah, and uh, if if no one has anything else, um, that that is basically uh, our show for today. Um, I guess I just want to sort of you know go through you know everyone here, and and Nick, I want to start with you. What what are your final thoughts on this on this episode of ESO Alliance? <laughs> uh, well, um, it's it's certainly good to know that, um, and it's always reassuring. Um, that that people are are really delving deep into the content. You know, some of the systems. We, we put out there and we build them in such a way that they'll be open-ended and flexible um, with, with some principles to guide them. And so it's really, really fun as a developer to see people engaging with them and trying different things and understanding the, the you know, you know what, what the different options they have access to. And uh, I, I can only, I, all I can say is I can only wait from the point you know, where I'm no longer the expert on the game's progression system, like, which is, I don't even feel like we're that far from where there's people who just, who just know everything about it um, and won't ever forget the name of one morph of one ability like I do sometimes. So, you know, like, I think we're just there, you know, we're, we're going to get there and I really can't wait for that point because, you know, that'll mean that the community is, is all the way engaged and, and then this is a game, you know, this is, this is what I've always dreamed of. So, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, this, this is really a lot of fun for me because I feel like this is, you know, a step on the way and an obvious one, you know, having a conversation about the progression video. As far as as you as a developer goes, how do you feel about community uh, things like this with, you know, ESO Alliance and certainly all of the fan sites like Tamriel Foundry and, you know, the vodcasts like um, um, like Shoddycast and the podcasts like, you know, Elder Scrolls Off the Record and, and, and Tisocast. As, as a developer, how does that make you feel that these things are out there? 
Right, sorry. Say, say that one more time. As as a developer, I mean, in this, we'll we'll end off on this. Uh, as as a developer, how did how did these things, these community things, make you make you feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's you make games, and especially if you if you're an MMO developer, but it doesn't matter who you are. You make games for the fans, and anytime they're engaging in, a, in, a, in any kind of positive way, like that, that is the fulfillment of what I do. So. Um, you know, it's, it's just pure joy. It's pure joy to see people being like, holy crap, I feel like Nightblade, uh, Assassin's Blade is super overpowered. It's, you know, like that's pure joy. And (laughs) and then I can do the analysis and see if they're right. And if they're right, I can be like, well done. You totally, you totally nailed that. And if they're wrong, you can be like, can't wait for someone to come in with counter argument, you know? And, um, you know, that's, that's really the dream, right? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a gamer too. And, you know, if I, if I wasn't working on this game, I'd be playing it, or I'd be playing it. You know, I'd be playing something else, and and I would be engaged with the community just like everyone else. So, you know, there isn't some big gap between, uh, you know, developers, and we don't have some secret magic formula that makes it so we understand everything and no one else does. Like, nope, we're just in there having <laughs> conversations too, and um, and so getting to getting to engage with the fans in that way, you know, and, and getting to have those conversations with them is really the dream. All right, uh, Andrew, final thoughts. I just want to say thanks so much for for coming on the show, Nick. You did, you know, you're very generous with your time. You can be relieved a little bit now. We're done. We're done grilling you. <laughs> Look forward to your sushi. Um, but no, it's really great to get a chance to. Uh, I mean, a get a, a lot of new information about the game. Get a, a new glimpse into to what the the mechanics are and and the way that the game is being designed, and then get the chance to talk to you about it. So it's that's been that's been fantastic. Thank you. Uh, you're absolutely welcome, man. You know, can't wait to do it again. Can't wait for next time. And Kyle, your final thoughts? Uh, again, thank you, Mr. The Conk, for showing up. Uh, thank you to all of you 300-plus people that are in the chat room now. Uh, I thought it was very enlightening, and we got some extra info, even though we had to pull some teeth from you, you know, to get it. But uh, <laughs> I got it's been fun. And Road, your final thoughts, sir? First off, uh, as said before, thank you very much for, you know, putting up with us for more than anything. And uh, I guess I should really go with this. First off, Nova is awesome. <laughs> I want it now. And it wouldn't be anywhere near TisoCast fashion if I didn't say this, but I was going to ask Nick Conkle if there would be Drakens, but... Then I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the groans, double face palm. Ah, uh, jeez, it's all right. As long as no one stole your sweet roll. <laughs> I already ate it. It's fine. Um. So first of all, uh, Nick, thank you very, very much for joining us. I, I want to get that out there. Of course, um, you are an absolute saint. You have the patience of a saint, especially dealing with me and my ridiculous questions about about PVE. I really do appreciate your time. Um, like Andrew said, you're extremely generous with it. And, you know, you really don't get this kind of thing from most companies out there building games. Just the fact that you gave us your time and you came on here was fantastic. And to, to hang out here for as long as you did was was really wonderful. Road, uh, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for, for joining as well. And uh, we look, I look forward to, you know, and I'm sure Andrew and Kyle, we all look forward to doing this again with you and, um, you know, personally doing, doing more stuff with you as, as well. This was, this was a good time. Completely uh, great, great stuff. Um, that is, that is it. Uh, so 
Thank you very much. Uh, chat room, uh, 300 plus people. Uh, sweet, sweet baby Jesus. We don't do anything on here that requires all of your people's attention, and we really we're blessed to have it. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Jess and Gina, I know you're out there. I know you're listening. I know you guys are saints for hanging out in the chat room for as long as you have been. This has been another marathon uh, podcast, and you know certainly you guys have been fantastic engaging with the um the community in our chat room i've been getting uh text alerts all throughout the the entire show and uh, i really appreciate your time as well you uh you ladies are are absolutely fantastic well that's certainly true i will say from knowing them personally so <laughs> <laughs> uh all right guys that is it that is the end of the ESO alliance we will be back next month. We might be back. We might be back earlier if these gentlemen will allow it. Um, and more on that later, I suppose. But uh, next month for sure. Thank you very much, everyone, boys and girls, for joining us here on the ESO Alliance. I have been Avarwin. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And may the foose be with you. Andrew, say goodbye, please. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in, guys. Take care. And Road. Thanks for having me in uh, chat. Thanks for tuning in. Kyle. Uh, thank you to our guests. Thank you, chat room, and uh, boy. Les conques. Um, I've never been able to do this, but I'm going to try. This is for the people in the chat room. For the does it, does <laughs> it work? Aww. Aww. <laughs> that was, like, that was my day night moment right there. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Party, guys. Cool. Have a good night, everyone. Shalom! <laughs>